1: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What is up, Spencer? How we doing? How we doing out there, Zinger Nation? Happy Friday. I don't think the markets know.
2: <laughs> it's, that it's Friday?
1: That it's supposed to be a happy Friday?
2: <laughs> it is not a happy Friday for a lot of people today. If you are a long only uh, trader or investor, you're not having a good time today. If you want to do buy when you if you want to buy things, you're not having a good time today. Um, well, if you want
1: to buy the dip, maybe you're having a good time today, going out there buying the dip. But uh, we
2: we can talk about that. We can talk about that. You know what? Actually, today is a good day to uh, talk about this sort of thing because the market is red pretty much across the board. Uh, we've got a lot going on today. We're gonna have Chris Catchy talk about Spacks. We're gonna have. Uh, a, a CEO interview uh, biotech at 1215 ce bio we're gonna have uh, a new segment we are debuting at one o'clock a recurring segment uh all about shorting stocks with trade zero uh today is a good day to have them on because uh, if you are short today you're having a good time yeah and if you're not you're not speaking of that spencer i'm gonna go
1: ahead and pull up my handy dandy robin hood talk about a couple trades that i oh, made boy um so today i actually had some puts on nvidia going into today um, that i bought yesterday kind of right into close. we saw that headline on, on the lawsuit that um the sec is looking at um stopping nvidia's purchase of arm
2: Hmm. we did see that
1: and uh on top of that nvidia just looked a little overextended so i bought some puts that expired today on nvidia they, okay okay they were up nicely spencer but i'm kind of kicking myself because i sold them and then nvidia dropped like another two percent like i left about oh, come on seven
2: or eight hundred you'll never be happy if no. that's how you're going to look at things i
1: know right so I, I but i made another trade that hasn't been working out yet but that's i bought a moderna call Oh no that no. expires next week no. so my my thought process on this spencer is that I think we could see a catalyst that's good for Moderna maybe over the weekend or maybe on Monday. Maybe the uh, uh, CDC announces that they're going to only consider fully vaccinated. If you have your booster or something of that nature, maybe people are going to go out and and get uh, more vaccines now that we have this Omicron spreading. But Moderna, it's not doing well today, but we'll see how, how it does on Monday.
2: All right, so nice. (laughs) All right, we we had a a, a bearish uh, trade on NVIDIA work for Aaron, a bullish trade on Moderna not working so far. Uh, We got Chris Catchy here, so let's start the show, and uh, we can start talking about some SPACs. Where's our intro? Where's our intro? I don't know where it is. Here it is. This is Ben Zingalive, Spencer Israel, and producer A.B. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Someone told me buy high, sell higher, Let's get Matt and Hammond on the show talk to my POs. Jake Wujasek from Trend Spider.
3: We have a.
2: We have Chris Catchy here. He has warned us that his internet may go out at any moment, but we are prepared for that scenario. Chris, what's up?
4: Hey guys, what's going on? Yeah, hopefully uh, everything holds uh, steady today uh, with the internet. But Wait, right, real fine. fast,
2: because uh, you're a couple hours west of us. Is it, how is it snowing where you are?
4: Wait. It is. It snowed uh, a little bit earlier today but nothing accumulation.
2: Okay, cuz we got some flurries here you can see in the background, but not nothing yeah, you're no accumulation as of yeah,
4: yet. Yeah, it barely snowed yet. here, so maybe that's what you guys are getting now. All right. We're getting some flurries, I don't know if you can see in the background, but yeah. uh, nothing
1: nothing crazy. <laughs> nothing crazy.
4: I see some not people yet. ice skating, so
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- that'll be us in, in a little bit here uh, yeah. if the market keeps going down like this. But anyway, Chris, we had a lot going on in Spackland. I was I was looking at some of the headlines. Here. Whoa, look at that view! That's that's my computer. That's my desktop computer. <laughs> no Love one is that. sitting. No one is sitting there because I'm over here. Okay, Chris, we got a lot going on in Spackland. Uh, talk about it. Tell us about it. What's
4: yeah, up? you know, so some weeks there's lots of deals, some weeks there there's not a lot of deals. This week was a heavy deal week. So last week we only had two SPAC deals announced, and this week now there have been seven deal announcements, Whoa. two deals called off, and a lot of news. So uh, we, we can dive in here, go one at a time. So the the big SPAC deals I want to highlight, uh, up first announced today we have APSG, so, this is Apollo Global Management Backspack, Apollo Strategic Growth Capital, and they are taking public American Express Global Business Travel. Um, so, a lot of people are probably familiar with the American Express travel brand. Uh, it's valued at $5.3 billion in this deal. The pipe of $335 million includes investments from existing investors, and also they're bringing on board. Sabre Corp, which is a a travel company and also Zoom, right? So the Zoom video company, American Express is going to own 30% of the company and Expedia will own 14% of the company after the merger. So they're the leader in a $330 billion managed global business travel industry They had transaction volume of $39 billion in 2019, over $2 billion in revenue. It was spun off from American Express in 2014. They had over 19,000 corporate customers in 2019, uh, including uh, 40 of the top 100 customers by travel spending. Uh, What do you guys think? Do you know the American Express travel brand? Um, you know, helping small businesses, medium businesses, you know, plan the corporate travel events.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm pretty ignorant here. Um, <laughs> You know, speaking from experience at Benzinga, where we just sort of, maybe not anymore, but we definitely used to, like, just YOLO all of our travel. YOLO all the time, right? Some of us, and I'm not going to name names here, but some people in charge of booking travel at Benzinga like to wait till the very last minute. Hashtag Luke Jacoby. But, um... <laughs> so no i don't have any experience with this so i i'm pretty ignorant into in, to the into the entire industry
4: yeah i mean i i think the keys here right are they're getting saber and zoom on board as investors they're backed by american express and expedia so there's some comfort there in these big names but i mean uh spencer ab i think we've talked about this before with companies and their presentations when they go off of 2019 numbers right the pandemic obviously hurt travel so unfortunately. We don't have a real clear picture of this company's financials over 2020 and what's ahead because they're going off of 2019 and hoping for, you know, business travel to come back. And we're seeing pent up travel demand, but I just don't know how much of that business travel comes back right away. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Yeah,
2: I mean, I would totally agree. Uh, This is the last thing that the market wants right now is a company. That doesn't have great clarity on its business, and yep. that's what you're saying we have here with American Express Global. So uh, business travel. So anyway, um, not the kind of company I'd be buying right now. That's not a very uh, uh, high bar to clear. There's frankly, I wouldn't be buying anything. But um, global travel, I'm skeptical. I hope it works out for them. The timing has me scratching my head a little bit.
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Another deal announced this week, we've got CFVI, and this one traded pretty well this week. Um, They are bringing Rumble public. So Rumble is a neutral video platform valued at $2.1 billion. So they are built with the belief that all creators can freely express themselves. They uh, target the big tech companies that have uh, quote unquote censored their creators. So mentioned in the, cust- the company's investor presentation, several celebrities. They've got 36 million monthly active users, including 23 million in the US, 8 billion minutes of watched video time monthly. So that celebrity list includes Dr. Drew, Russell Brand, uh, UFC fighter Jorge Masvidal, Dan Borgino, And, of course, former President Donald J. Trump. And it was noted that Trump joined Rumble earlier this year. And that is in addition to launching his own social media platform, which is going public with DWOC. And then there was an article out today on Daily Beast that said, according to email and server records, it appears Rumble and Trump still to be launched social media app Truth Social are already sharing some infrastructure. So take that with a grain of salt. We saw the run-up, right, in CFVI on the chart there, as this was considered a potential Trump play. Um, If they're working with uh, DWAC, of course, you know, is going to get more attention. Also, Matt Kors, uh, you know, one of the AMC investors, he is on Rumble. And then they also named Joe Rogan in the presentation. He's not currently on there, but had some pretty positive things to say. Guys, I don't know Rumble. I had never heard of it until this uh, deal. Do you know Rumble and uh, what does it mean to have some of these celebrities?
2: No, I don't know Rumble. Um, I think we all forget just how many social networks have come and gone over the years, right? We all know about the big three, big four, if you want to count Pinterest in there, Um, or, or TikTok, you know. So Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, those are the four, Pinterest, five um and i'm including instagram and, and with facebook um and outside of that it, it it is a tough game it is a tough tough game um i'm bearish the entire social media platform space right now all wow. of them even of the them. best one even the biggest ones facebook twitter twitter bear, i'm i'm bearish all of it uh, so, I, if, if I'm bearish Facebook or Twitter, I would certainly be bearish Rumble. It is really, really, really hard to, A, achieve scale, and then B, once you do achieve scale, how do you monetize? Facebook figured it out uh, insta- well, via Instagram, Snapchat appears to have figured it out, Pinterest sort of the same, Twitter hasn't quite figured that out probably out yet, it's been over a decade. So, uh, it's really, really hard. I would say pass.
4: Yeah, and you got Mike in the chat saying Friendster, live Journal. I mean, obviously, my LiveJournal. I mean, bringing up some some retro names there um, that that I know I have heard of as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the big thing with this right was uh, the fact that Donald Trump's on the platform now. The potential of a, a working partnership. Look at the stock price. You already had the run. We're back down to ten nineteen. I would be careful here until you know any sort of clarity on what the relationship is with Trump and his new platform.
2: I mean, like, yeah, there are there are more. So we haven't even heard of all the social network companies out there. That's that's how many there are, right? You've got, you got, yeah, Rumble. You got Parler. There's like a dozen yep. that we haven't heard of. You know what I mean? And they're all tiny, and they they're all fighting to get the same eyeballs. So it's a tough game. Pass. It sounds like
1: that one. That <clears throat> excuse me. That um. Demi Lovato is endorsing that. See,
2: I don't even know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. I don't even, know
4: what, oh, I don't
2: yeah, even um, know what he's talking about. What's it? You don't even know what it's called. I'll find it. Hold on. <laughs> we,
4: had, we had a pro headline. I remember when it happened. Um, also, uh, Playboy is launching a creator platform called Centerfold, right? And they had big news yesterday that Cardi B is going to be the leader of that. So, again, another platform coming out um you know that hasn't even launched yet spencer so there is so right. many that's out there. just
2: what just what we need aaron what's it called
4: I just, I don't you know. don't know <laughs> you don't even know can't okay that means they must not be that big if you can't find it that easily uh Mo- another moving on. another deal announced uh we have uh, boas so they are bringing selena public um valued at 1. 1. 1.2 billion so selena they are a uh, hospitality company. So think Airbnb for millennials and Gen Z. So they have a pay-as-you-go model where you can, you know, rent these hotel rooms from uh, in their cities, or you can pay a subscription fee and, you know, get access to unlimited rentals across the, the world of any Selena hotels. Um, it kind of compares to like a Moxie from Marriott, a Sonder, um, again, a growing brand, but really targeting millennials and Gen Z users. I actually spoke to Brian Friedman, the CEO of the SPAC on the phone this week. We talked about you know, the, the deal um, and, and they've got a growth plan, but again, heavy target on the Gen Z, the millennials and the travel industry right now. I mean, we, we know that there's that pent up demand, um, but again, this wasn't a brand that I was as familiar with before this deal.
2: Wait, I'm just trying to understand it. So, Selena is... Is it like Airbnb? Is that... I'm trying to get around my... It's
4: like Airbnb. But in a hotel.
0: (laughs) The Airbnb (laughs) for
4: Millennials and Gen Z.
2: Wait, wait. We have hotels for hotels.
4: Yep. So, this is description. So, I mean... It's different than the hotel model, but it's it's in the same industry.
2: I'm sorry. I, okay, I never heard of this company. Um, I, I I wish them the best, but come I mean come on guys.
4: And then we had uh, a crypto play this week, right? So ADEX, <laughs> they are bringing grid infrastructure public. 3.3 billion dollar valuation. This is a self-mining company vertically integrated. They use low cost energy to operate their portfolio, focusing on carbon free energy generation. That's a, a big growing sector of crypto mining, right? The, the carbon free. Um, they plan on having 734 megawatts of mining capacity by 2023 and a power cost of less than $25. Um, they're projecting 2023 revenue, $1.6 billion, and they will have a break-even Bitcoin production cost of $6,225 by 2023, which they said is below peers. Uh, again, I mean, you mentioned it with uh, the, the social media platform, Spencer. There's a lot of crypto companies out there and a growing number of them going public. Um, you know, the clean energy and the carbon, uh, you know, free, I think is a, an area of focus here, but again, a company that I, you know, did not know before the deal was announced.
2: Me neither. And then I, yeah, I probably, we probably don't even know all the crypto mining mining companies out there. Um, but Hey, at least, at least we know silver lining here. At least we know that like Bitcoin mining as a business works. Which you can say about some of the ones you just talked about. So uh, there's that, which is yeah,
4: nice. yeah, definitely. And then the other um, deals, which I, I don't have a ton of, uh, you know, comments or news on. We had ACTD, which is merging with Opal Fields. This is you know a renewable energy play. Um, didn't get uh, you know much love on the deal announcement. Then we have ACAH, which is merging with Ascentium, which is three D printing and additive manufacturing. Again, we've seen a lot of three D printing companies go public, especially via SPAC. Um, and then SCLE, which is merging with Voltus. So that's the seven deals this week. Um, again, a lot of deals compared to uh, last week's uh, news cycle.
2: Uh, compared to the last few weeks, no. Yes. Yep. I mean, it's been a relatively quiet quiet period. Uh, we also had some deals that were called off, right?
4: Yeah. So, NSTB, uh, which was going to merge with Apex Clearing, they called off the deal. This is one I was actually excited about. So, Apex yeah. Clearing, you don't know. They're like the thing behind the thing, right, for brokers, for crypto. Um, they power those transactions. Um, th- this is one, you know, that it, you see that chart now and that deal was called off and people, you know, got rid of their holdings. So, it, they still have time to find a new deal um they still have you know net asset value at ten dollars plus interest so there is you know an arb opportunity there but i think uh, people will just stay away from this one you know until a new deal is announced
2: i, I wonder if this is just because they've seen what the market has done to companies like robin hood um Coinbase. Robinhood is I, I i mean not it's not quite the same but Robinhood does do its own clearance it's a related, tangentially related business. Um, I, 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 you know, Apex is like a real business, right? Yeah. They're a real company with real revenues. Uh, but I wonder if they, if they just saw the environment, and they were like, ah, we, or, or, or the, the acquirer just said, no, we, no, I, I don't know, I don't know. But they, yeah, I'm with you. This is one I was actually looking forward to.
4: Yeah, I know. This is one I really wanted to see complete the merger. So uh, yeah. again, uh, hopefully, uh, a new target is found which both companies well. And then we have this, this is an interesting uh, deal call off, right? Because uh, when you have two sides come to the table to complete a deal, sometimes you have both parties that say, Hey, let's not do the deal. And then you have sometimes where one party wants to do the deal and one doesn't. And that's what we have here. So FST, uh, this is the company that was going to merge uh, for Tita Entertainment. So it's a group of restaurants a group of casinos and they also own a stake in Golden Nugget online the online uh, um, gaming company which is actually being acquired by DraftKings so for Tita it, he wants out of the deal but FST wants to keep the deal so this one could get tied up for quite a while um, again with you know the two parties not agreeing um, I, I mean Casinos, restaurants, online gaming, it seemed like a, a decent play. Uh, reopening, again, look at the chart. I mean, shares got up to 13. They actually, for, for a SPAC, I mean, was actually trading above 10 pretty consistently. And now, obviously, you, you have the fall with the risk coming.
2: So this is basically all the stuff that Tilman and owns except for the Houston Rockets. Is that right? Cor-
4: correct. Yep. You got like it's like Landry's, uh, Bubba Gump Shrimp, right. um, Morton Steakhouse, I believe, and then yeah, the the Fertitta Casinos, and then also again that stake in uh, Golden Nugget Online, which is uh, essentially going to be cash and DraftKings shares after that deal.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's not dumb. He wants out, <laughs> and this is his this is his exit potentially if he can get it. Yeah, um, but valuation matters. All right. So uh, I didn't realize that 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 was in question. Uh, wait, what about I was, saw some stuff about BuzzFeed yesterday because the the, yeah. the 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 news division staged a walkout in line with the vote, which I guess was yesterday. So tell us about that.
4: So that's actually up next on the list. So E.N.F.A. Yeah. Uh, Fifth Avenue Partners, um, 890 Fifth Avenue Partners oh. is, is merging with BuzzFeed. So the vote went through. Um, it's going to trade as BZFD. But Spencer, as you mentioned, there was some upset employees. Um, also, this had uh, it, it had some redemptions, and also some of the uh, pipe investors are trying to pull out of the deal. So, if this deal actually goes through, as everything has said on paper, the 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 um, BuzzFeed could actually end up losing money on it, right? So instead of getting millions, of, hundreds of millions of dollars. Between you know shareholders, the pipe, all that, they could actually not get enough money to even cover the cost to pay for the SPAC deal to go through. Um, so obviously, that could uh, hurt BuzzFeed' uh, long term potential there. Wow,
2: if that isn't indicative of the um, of the appetite for uh, digital media, I don't know what is because BuzzFeed was was the darling. Um, they've been trying to go public for years now, yeah. And they got the they got this back deal, but they're not even at the finish line yet. They're almost there, um, and it looks like they're on the cusp of it. And they're not even going to make money on the deal. Looks so. like we could see this stock trading at eight ninety pretty soon.
4: Oh wow, AB coming in hot
2: from the top rope.
4: Oh man, <laughs> and, and I mean, look at look at that spike it had in after hours trading yesterday. You know, so it, it moved up because again, heavy redemption, which lowers the float. Um, but already those people have gotten out, so you're already down to nine dollars. You no longer have the floor price, and there there is some risk. Obviously, that you know, uh, Buzzfeed will will try to you know make sure this deal doesn't go through without having the the pipe investors. So uh, this one's going to have a story uh, played out for a while here.
2: All right, what else we got?
4: All right, and then so AGC completed their merger with Grab, so now it yeah. is trading as Grab Holdings, G R A B. Um, this this was a hot one traded well over nice. uh, ten dollars and now you're down to eight fifty. Um, you know again a, a big play on growth in the Asia Pacific region. Um, it's got interest in several sectors: um, food delivery, rideshare, financials, and others. Um, but obviously, you know some of the uh, Asian uh, sector stocks have fallen out of favor. So I'm not too surprised, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens to this one uh, going forward.
2: Yeah, this was a big one. Grab is 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 huge. They're in they're in Singapore, right? They, yep, Singapore and, 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 and they're expanding largest... to some other
4: countries. And this was actually the yeah. largest SPAC deal ever um, in terms of uh, valuation. So uh, yeah, n- not a great that, sign to see it come down, a... but but also to see it trade over sixteen dollars when it was already the largest deal based on a ten dollar price point is another reminder that, as you said, Spencer, valuation matters. So uh, shares can't just double and double the valuation. Um,
2: Yeah, here's the thing, right? If you are a SPAC, what kind of company are you going to buy? You're going to buy a a growth, a high growth company, right? You're going to buy a company that's exciting for the future. But that's the exact thing that that the market does not want to see right now. They don't care about growth okay for a lot of reasons so all these companies the ones that make money the ones that don't make money uh the ones that are developing the futuristic technologies they all sound cool they're all out of favor it does not matter the industry frankly all that matters is their growth and we hate growth right now so grab was a big one i mean it was the biggest one um valuation matters the price you pay for things does matter um at least grab you know has a big has a huge business so um, you know they've got that going for them it's it's an emerging market to play um, and you know it, it wasn't the largest uh, spac deal ever by accident because they're big they're a big company but um yeah i i, I was surprised to see you get down to 8 so quickly chris it took one day yeah one day um it's tough out there all right what else you got so it, another it, is there anything that's not Going down <laughs>
4: uh, another deal that recently was approved DMYQ with Planet. So, if you remember, we had Niccolo DeMasi and uh, Will Marshall yeah. from Planet on the show recently. So, shares are at 968. And if you look at the chart, this is one that it, it held a little bit now below 10 and it, it only had two percent of shares redeemed. So, it traded over net asset value going into the merger vote. Um, this is a satellite play, right? Uh, like a Bloomberg. For uh, the industry. Um, again, if you guys didn't watch that uh, that interview, check it out. Niccolo DeMasi, well-known in the SPAC community. Um, but I think this one uh, rebounds and gets o- over $10 here soon. Um, it already had four analyst ratings going into the vote, which is tied for the most ever um, pre-merger vote. And as you heard Niccolo say, their analyst day was heavily attended the most of any of his SPACs. So I think you're going to see more analyst notes out. And we obviously know that analyst ratings and price targets can be a potential catalyst for the stock.
2: A question from the chat from Firot King. Do you know the redemption rate for Grab and DMYQ?
4: Uh, DMYQ was 2%. Um, Grab, I don't know off the top of my head, but I can't imagine that Grab was very high. Um, Given that shares were over 10, I know that... um, Julian Klamachko, uh, again, a big name in the SPAC community, he tweeted, you know, Spencer AB, there's always that person that uh, chooses to redeem their shares when they're trading at 15 or $16 versus just selling, you know, in the market and they essentially lose a, a ton of profits um, by redeeming when shares are trading that high. So I know some people did redeem on grab, but it shouldn't have been very many. Okay.
2: All right, uh, let's let's move along here. We we got a calendar. Is that? Oh no, we're not up to that yet. We got a couple more.
4: Yeah. So uh, a couple to watch. Right. So um, there was uh, SHPW. Um, this is a three D printing play. It is a uh, uh, low market cap, low float. So this one gained some steam on Twitter with a due diligence post that connected the company to uh, NFTs. So Shapeways actually has worked with some NFT companies to print physical copies of people's NFT. So they worked with MeBits, they worked with uh, CyberKongs and others. So, you know, obviously NFT, a growing industry, people want to stay connected with the communities and, you know, they, they want to, you know, not only own their NFT, but also get merch along the way. Um, so th- this is one that, uh, you know, again, uh, in the early stages of really monetizing the, the NFT platform that they have built out. Um, but Come again, on. caution, it is low float um, and Come low market on. cap.
2: Physical NFTs?
4: Physical NFTs. Come on. We're going,
2: <laughs> we're going full circle. Come it on. Comes, it goes,
4: yeah. It's a, it goes all the way around. What kind of
2: fool do you take me to be, Chris? Come <laughs> on. Mean, it's,
4: it's a real thing.
2: It's not a real thing. It All is a real whatever. thing.
4: I've seen them. Uh, so we have S E A H. Uh, so again, super group, which was on the show a couple weeks ago, yep. they finally set their merger vote date. So December twenty first. And remember, you heard Eric Grubman talk about how you know the SEC had delayed this. They came back. They wanted more information. Nothing changed with the company. They were still on track to get this deal done by January. And sure enough, now we get the merger vote date. We got a nice spike in after hours yesterday, but uh, obviously a lot of red out there today. So not surprised. But uh, this one, uh, I think going into the merger vote date, you're going to see a lot of eyes on it. Pure play sports betting company, strong interest from retail traders.
2: Again, December 21st, right? So yep. That's what you said? Okay. Yep. All right. So have that on your radar if you're trading a CAH. And then Rocket Lab is a name I haven't thought about for a hot second.
4: So, Rocket Lab, I, I had mentioned on you know SpaceX several times. This is one of my favorites in the in the space sector, right? You can't buy shares of SpaceX. This is the next you know best thing, right, in terms of launching satellites, launching rockets. And Bank of America actually had a really strong report on this company. Um, they said that uh, that this is their favorite, a buy rating and a price target of twenty dollars and saying that their growing satellite components business could contribute more than 50% of revenue in the future. Uh, 22 launches uh, for the Electron rocket, 107 satellites sent into orbit. That makes it the second most frequently launched vehicle in the U.S. behind only SpaceX, and they are number four in terms of launches in the world. So uh, the Bank of America is saying this is the best way for investors to gain near-term exposure to small satellite and space launch markets. They also had some news out over the past week on uh, Neutron, their next rocket program. Uh, Again, they've got missions planned to several planets, asteroids, and a lot of exciting things. So if you follow the space sector, you know, this is one where I I think could be a a winner there.
2: I I just hope... They don't have the same kind of problems as SpaceX is having right now.
4: <laughs> SpaceX but. with their bankruptcy problems?
2: Yes. With uh, their bankruptcy suppos- problems.
4: Supposedly. Um, so then, Spencer, one of the things you said, uh, one of the times when I was on was these, these rocket launches, right? When they happen, mm. it can be a catalyst for the stock. Um, <laughs> so we got to pay attention to dates. So NGCA, which is merging with Virgin Orbit, um, which is a, a launch company, They have a planned launch for the month of December. They don't have a flight window announced yet, but we know that when a flight window is announced, that becomes a catalyst. And then when the flight actually happens, that's another catalyst. So this is one I would keep on radar um, for the month of December. Um, They've got some nice deals and a strong pipeline in place as well.
2: I haven't thought about space launches recently as a catalyst because they're, they've been so short-lived, but good to know because we know these things can pop. Virgin Galactic has shown it. So, okay, what else we got?
4: So there was a short report put out yesterday on Redwire, oh, no. RDW, um, and this was by the Bear Cave. And obviously there were some strong points talking about how they um, had some issues filing uh, their financials, their report, um, which is a concern here. The The things that were called into question that I want to highlight. Are there was a report that went around Twitter? There was a video from a Redwire executive who said that the company would announce a deal with Amazon in the next month or so. Um, And that shot shares up. And we have not gotten a deal signed between Redwire and Amazon. What we did get was Redwire partnered with Blue Origin, which is, of course, co-founded <laughs> by the same person. Not the same so, thing. So not the same thing. And here's where that comes into play the the executive oh either the executive either lied, uh, you know, didn't have the timing right, or misspoke and really meant Blue Origin. So I think that's to be determined. The other thing is, uh, you know, Spencer, AB, I'll I'll ask you guys right. If a individual investor Let's say that owns shares of RDW, goes on Cameo and pays for a celebrity, let's say, I don't know, the Island Boys, to do a video talking about Redwire. Does that make Redwire a celebrity SPAC? No. No. Absolutely not, right? So why should a short report call this a celebrity SPAC based on a Cameo video that was purchased? outside of the company
1: all right well we can ask edwin directly but maybe there's another celebrity
4: we can I, wait wait, we wait hold on answer. though
2: wait hold on hold on though back to the i haven't gotten past the financials thing so they, they're having trouble with their stating their financials
4: yep so they delayed their filing
2: okay huge red flag huge huge red flag
4: absolutely so call okay. your report call your report delayed filings don't call your report celebrity SPAC sponsored red wire you know what i mean there's a huge difference there
2: all right so okay maybe semantics uh, frankly a- a- if they can't even fi- if they've been they've been public for how long now uh, a couple months and they can't even file their 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 STC filings uh on time and accurately no thank you no thank you yeah. Uh, but again, I don't know anything about the company. I, I also did not read the report, so I only know what what you just told me. Um, we have some questions in the chat for Chris. We'll get to those, I promise. There's a couple more things on the list, though.
4: Yeah, so the other thing I just wanted to touch on is, you know, we are in a new month, December. So we know that uh, merger votes act as a catalyst. So there's a lot of votes in December. So I don't know if we have time to go through all of them. Um, but to highlight, you know, some of the the bigger ones... Next week on December 7th, we have a vote for uh, DGNS, which is bringing CVent public. CVent is an events management company. They're partnered with Microsoft Teams. They also have an investment from Zoom. Um, this is one where I think this could be a, a strong play, right? I don't think we're uh, away from you know teleconferencing, virtual events. They're a strong player in that industry and also the, the partnership with Microsoft. They've been linked to you know, the metaverse that Microsoft is working on building out. Um, so dg and vote next week. Uh, Spencer, you know uh, Cvent from doing events, C- I'm assuming?
2: Cvent would be in the fictional Benzinga portfolio. Yep. Uh, companies that Benzinga pays for and uses. Cvent would be in there because we do use it. Um, but that's all I really know. So, yeah. Sorry. And
4: okay. then we have well, DCRC next week. Uh, this is solid power. This is a battery play. So it's similar to like a Quantum Scape QS. Um, it, it's already been a, a hot one. But again, you know, once the deal goes through, we'll really see if it can maintain above the $10 mark. Um, they are a couple years away, but they do have some strong partnerships with automotive companies. Um, so uh, that is one to definitely watch next week as well.
2: All right. Was that it for the calendar? Um, no, there's yeah, a lot I more. Mean,
4: there's a lot more, but again, uh, you know, maybe next week when I'm on, we can talk about, you know, the later dates, um, SVOK Also next week, merging with boxed. Um, they're like a, uh, online Costco, right. Buying in bulk, but they also have a logistics business that others are using. Um, they recently did an acquisition, which I think strengthens that business line. Uh, so that would be another one I would watch next week as well.
2: All right. Uh, Chris, we got time for a couple questions from the chat. Yes.
4: Yes. What do you got?
2: Okay, Firod King again, Chris. Please talk about FTCV. The deal is taking really long. That's my that's my Firod King impression.
4: So FTCV merging with Etoro, right? Etoro is a international company. I'm not too surprised that this is taking a long time. Right, Re- regulatory hurdles. Right, it's an exchange. They've got crypto. Um, you know, so again, I I think it's just you know par for the course. Um, Etoro is a well known brand. It's not very big in the U.S. Uh, in terms of their revenue no. buildup. That's the one thing that they really highlighted in their in their growth. They also started doing some advertising heavily, you know, on TV in the U.S. and really building that up. Because for a while in the U.S. you could only do the copycat trading, and then you know they're, they're building out where you can buy individual stocks and crypto. Um, so again, I, I I have liked the story with FTCB with Etoro, but yes, it is taking a long time. Um, But I wouldn't think that is too big of a red flag at this point yet.
2: I'm not a fan of the copycat trading. I mean, I mean, let me me rephrase. I would be a fan of people copying me, (laughs) but I wouldn't. But I wouldn't want to copy anyone else. If
4: people want ETFs, then they would just copy the Spencer. Yeah, hey,
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. Of course, I think I'm the best, but. (laughs) No, I, I, I wouldn't I would ever do that, personally. Um, all right, Chris Couchy is Benzinga's uh, SPAC guru, and he joins us uh, on this show every week to uh, talk about deals that happen, deals that don't happen, and any developments from any SPACs uh, in the space because there are a lot of them. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, Chris, they're all down today. The whole market's down today. It is what it is, but... Uh, Thanks for coming on. Did we miss anything? Is, no, I is what that's, I want to know.
4: I think that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, right. it's, a, it's a tough market out there today, but uh, we'll we'll be back with some uh, deals and headlines next week.
2: All right. Have a good one, Chris. See ya. All right, uh, man. It is tough out there. I, I want to get to this this message from the chat um, from the Ajax one three one two. Aaron do you see this? Why are you guys not talking about this nineteen twenty nine scenario? Unfolding in <laughs> real time.
1: Oh man! I mean, if Ajax is referring to the the biggest market crash of all time, that black what would they call it? Black
2: Monday? I don't know which black it was. Yeah, Black, black, uh, black Tuesday. Maybe? Black Tuesday was '87, right? Black Monday was '29, I think. Right?
1: Look, it's a bad day out there, but let's <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not put the let's not put the what is it? Put the horse in front of the carriage.
2: That's yeah, I think that's it. Or put the car carriage in front carriage of the horse put the
1: carriage in front of the cart, horse
2: cart for the horse, cart yeah, before the horse.
1: let's just chill out everybody you know we could be we could be talking about monday opening uh you know everything in the green maybe monday's red again and then tuesday it's green or who knows Wait. either way we've got a lot of ways to fall before we start talking about uh 1929
2: scenario all right and just to be clear I'm I'm not laughing at the idea that the market can't go down. Clearly, the market is going down. But let me show you. Where, where's my chart? Here's my chart. Okay, um, okay, we are we are here. We're at four fifty one in the spy. All time high is what four seventy three. Okay, so we're what like six percent off the all time highs. Yeah. Okay, something like that. I'm just doing some math in my head. Let's just zoom out for a second. All right, now let's go to a monthly, and let's just zoom out. Now, there are two types of people, there are two reactions when you see this chart. The first reaction is to say, whoa, look how high we are. Big boy has to fall hard. This is not sustainable. It can't keep going like this. This is ridiculous. We have to come down because we've come up so high. And then there's the other side, which is like, wait a minute. Every single opportunity in history has been a buying opportunity with the exception of the last couple of weeks because we're obviously off at all time highs. Um, Aaron and I don't know if there's going to be a depression. No one knows if there's going to be a depression. Uh, but calling this 1929, like we're not even in the same stra- galaxy as 1929 there are so many other things at play all right? we just we 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 went through a pandemic okay we're coming out of that yes there is inflation yes the market is uncertain about what the feds gonna do uh, if they're gonna take their foot off the gas um, market doesn't like that because they've had their foot on the gas for basically the last 12 years um, but all that being said I I mean calling this 1929 it, uh, I I think I think if any if if last year taught us one thing for better or worse The Federal Reserve and central banks around the world will not let that happen They will not let 1929 happen. We had a we, we had the biggest crash last year Uh, a, a, What like the worst month since since 1929 maybe Um, and what did the Fed do they? they dropped they literally dropped money from the sky on all of us okay they we've that's we've never gotten checks from the IRS universal basic income basically right last year um the federal reserve will not let the market crash like 1929 they just won't they, they learned from 2008 when they didn't do anything or not nothing but they 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 slow played it in 0809 and they learned from that okay um we can go down. We are going down. We probably will keep going down. But to say we're heading towards a Great Depression, uh, 1929 scenario, I think is, is wrongheaded. And even if we do go down, I mean, think back to how freaking terrified we all were last March, last April, right? Things were scary. And that was a V bottom, right? We bounced so freaking hard. My point is, my point is... From a trading standpoint, yeah, you should definitely be be concerned here, uh, about taking new longs. From a longer term investing standpoint, even if we do have a crash, what are you gonna do? Buy you're the gonna, dip. You're gonna sell everything? Maybe if you need cash and you need to fund your lifestyle or something, or you're retired, but like for the rest of us, no. Sorry. Um I think calling this 1929 is, is frankly, fear mongering. You're entitled to your opinion. Uh, it, it, it's fear mongering, um, and it's it's not even the same galaxy. Uh, the 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 macro environment is so just because we have inflation. Are you kidding me? Is that why you're afraid? Because we have inflation? So what? We have a little bit of inflation. It hasn't happened in 20 years, okay, or 30 years, whatever. 30 years, 30 years okay it's not great it sucks but that does not make this 1929 it doesn't sorry
1: we all have to just chill out on red days it's very easy to get caught up in in the worst case scenario but um, we've been proven time and time again throughout this past year that anytime we have these corrections that Uh, buyers come in, and and the markets ultimately end up going going up. I mean, Spencer, if you want to go ahead and share that SPY chart again, we can look back to when was it, in May, we, sure,
2: Wait, I have to zoom way in, though. Hold I on. know.
1: You're on, you're, we're, we're, we're looking at like 20... We're looking at, we're looking at 25 years of SPY right now. Okay,
2: wait, what'd you want? Sorry, May?
1: When we had that big... Maybe it'd be easier to see a NASDAQ, because a lot of it was in in okay. sell-off and grow. Okay, okay. But uh, when we saw that correction... Or maybe back in September, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. When we had that big correction, people thought... That guy. Yeah, people thought, oh my god, this is the end of the bull run. Uh, you know, the markets are going to crash, all this stuff. And then what happened three weeks later, we were breaking new all-time highs.
2: Yeah. It is certainly a massive bear market for growth stocks, right? If you are long Kathy Wood, as I am, right? I own the ARKW. It's been a tough year. Look at Oh, 122. Ouch. Down 6% today. Okay. Um, but it, it this year is as bad as last year was good frankly, in in growth. Uh, Last year was so ridiculously easy, so easy. You literally could throw a dart at a board and pick a stock out of a hat and make money last year. Everything went up. Everything went up. It's never that easy. This year is proving that. This is normal, right? Things are in favor. Things are out of favor. There's rotation. Some things don't go up forever valuation matters that's the bottom line i say it all the time the price you pay for something doesn't matter until it does um yeah i think worrying about a great depression um worrying about you know something like that i think is not is not prudent um but, well, like like we said, Spencer, we just gonna have to wait
1: and see for everyone out there that's you know freaking out right now. I implore you to just take a deep just, breath. Just
2: yet, yeah, chill, chill. chill. Just
1: go do something else. Go go outside. Don't, don't look at your portfolio. Go outside.
2: You want to see my portfolio today? It's straight red, straight red today. Actually, straight red this month. Don't look at it. Um, all right, Spencer. Well, that's enough of us bloviating about
1: the markets. Uh, we do have an interesting interview coming up that is with Cyr Bio. We will have. Uh, Omid Farakzad and David Horn joining us. Um, that was very good. Oh, well, I, guess, I guess we should probably ask
2: him. If yeah, we, we gotta it. ask.
1: We gotta ask Omid if it was really
2: good or not. I don't know. All right, I, I say it was good. Uh, should we bring him on? Let's bring him on. All right. I felt good about it. I, I feel like you. I feel like you, you did good with that. Uh, Omid, David, how are we doing?
5: Gentlemen, hey. how are you?
2: Did Did Aaron Bree get your name right, Omid?
5: I thought it was perfect. It sounded like my mother was calling my name. Actually, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you don't
1: need you don't need to say that just to make me feel good.
5: It was great, guys.
1: Thank you. Um, all right, before we get started, do y'all mind just sharing us kind of a little bit of background about Sear Bio for some of our audience that may not be
4: familiar?
5: Yeah, sure. So Sear is a life science uh, tools company focused in the preomics space we're a commercial stage public company. Um, uh, we have a product called the Proteograph Product Suite uh, that lets a customer look at the totality of the proteomic content, the protein information in the biological system in an unbiased or untargeted way at a speed scale cost that was previously not possible. And by virtue of that, they are able to do large-scale studies in the protein space, you know, the likes of which I'm sure you guys have seen done in the genomic space in the last, you know, several years. Yep.
1: Um, so, what what's in the pipeline right now that you're very excited about?
5: You mean in terms of our our product or in terms of yeah the product? Yeah. So we are. Um, so we're in a. Uh, We're a commercial company. We're in the second phase of our commercialization step. Maybe I should just take a step back and tell you what that means. Um, We became a commercial company earlier this year, and we set out a three-phase commercial plan um, that involved in phase one, what we call the collaboration phase. In that phase, we worked with a handful of, uh, if you would, thought leaders. And so that phase included customers like the Broad Institute in Boston, Oregon Health or Salk Institute, Uh, discovery life sciences and these are folks that are just experts they tend to do very cutting edge work um they were the first to get our instrument um and then later on um uh around q1 uh we announced that we were entering the second phase of our commercialization and that was the limited release phase we um signal that we would have a high single digit number of these limited release customers um, before shifting to broad release. Um, Now, a limited release customer is typically a customer that does large scale studies. These are large contracts, in some cases, multi-year contracts, um, and they commit to um, a large amount of consumables. If you look at the product suite, it comprises of a consumables core to it is our nanoparticle that lets you sample the proteome. There is an instrument that automates the assay. Um, and so that that's a capex for these folks that they have to purchase the instrument. And then there's a software suite where data that comes out, um, from the, um, uh, from the instrument. Um, the, the customer can go from, if you would, biological data to biological insight. So the limited release customers then um, take on this uh, product suite, uh, relatively large commitment for them. Um, and deliberately in that phase, we would work with customers across, for example, different customer types like CROs, pharma, biotechs, clinical companies, et cetera. So we would have representative accounts across each of those and then we had said that in early 2022 we would shift to our broad release and so we're obviously approaching the end of 2021 heading into 2022 so you can expect uh, both an announcement around those high single digit number of lr customers and then entrance of uh, broad release uh, later in 2022.
2: With with, with uh, companies like yours, with with, with biotechs, obviously, uh, funding is always an issue. So where are you at on that front? You guys are, are, are going to need to raise more money? Or are, you, are you comfortable with your cash position or what?
5: Yeah, look, let me have uh, maybe David answer that question on the finance part. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, uh, we're in good shape. But David, do you want to comment about the IPO or the follow-on?
6: Sure. Yeah, thanks, uh, Spencer. Yeah, we feel really good about where we are from a cash position Today is exactly the one-year anniversary of our IPO, Um, and then we did a follow-on in January uh, earlier this year. Uh, And so we have, uh, as of September, you know, five hundred and six million dollars on the balance sheet, Um, and uh, we're not, you know, we'll have years uh, of cash flow runway. So we feel really good about where we are and and the ability, uh, well-capitalized company, to drive to, uh, to profit.
2: And just what are you guys expecting in terms of demand next year once you do get these 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 commercial releases
6: out? Yeah, so we're on track, as as Omid said, to complete our limited release phase with a high single-digit number of customers and to initiate the broad release in early 2022. We've made some great progress this year against our objectives for the year. And we believe this measured approach to commercialization is paving the way for these broad release customers to seamlessly adopt the Protograph product suite and scale their studies, because it's really about getting the instrument in their hands, getting them used to it, and then scaling up studies, doing larger and larger studies. So we're already seeing increasing momentum at these customer sites, as they experience the power of the technology firsthand in their pilot studies, then they'll present those studies, and we've already had some do that um, at the ASMS conference in in late October, early November, and then they'll reimagine what they can do and and do these scale-up studies so we shared a lot of this progress um, on our earnings call uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, including the summary of these multiple post- poster presentations from AMS, ASMS, and all that's available on our website. Um, on the demand front, we will give uh, 2022 guidance early next year on our on our year-end uh, earnings call. And then
2: just again, proteomics, ex- explain why like, we should care about that. Why is it
3: important?
5: Yeah, look, I think to really grasp you know, why proteomic, and by the way, why now? Uh, Why we're seeing such growth? Um, I think it's important to understand the relationship between genomics and proteomics. Um, As you know, over the last 15 years, genomic has had a profound impact on human health. Uh, Today, given all the sequencing efforts globally, we've now sequenced over a million genomes, over 10 million exomes, and collectively at the population level, we've now identified over nearly 700 million genetic variants. But, but we know um, very little about what these mean. In fact, less than 0.1% of these variants have been functionally characterized. So we don't understand the biological function that these drive. Now, importantly, genes code for proteins. Um, now, genes are largely static in the care of our risk but proteins are dynamic and a true indicator of our status in health disease spectrum. Uh, Imagine two identical genetically identical twins. One may get diabetes and one may not. So what drove that? Well, what drove that is the way the proteins in one um, twin behave differently than the proteins in the other twin. Um, Now proteins are basically, the machinery of life. They're really the active molecules. They drive just about all biological functions. They're the enzymes, the antibodies, the pathway elements in the cells. The target of most therapeutics are proteins. And, um, you know, unlike genome, um, where you've got basically, uh, you know, a uh, handful of uh, units that make it, uh, you know, four bases uh, that that make our genome. And all of us have about 20,000 genes. Proteins are far, far more complex. Number one, the building block is 20 units, not four. And these 20,000 genes ultimately end up coding for a million different protein and protein variants. And all of these proteins work together in concert to really drive every biological function that you can imagine. The challenge has been, that up until now, technologies that can do large-scale studies uh, and uncover the complexity of proteome uh, did not exist. In fact, by the way, before SEER, uh, and we, we wrote about this in our S1 before we went public, the largest unbiased deep plasma proteomic and deep meaning is studied that identified at least 600 or so proteins. Um, so we have set the bar low, frankly, um, that was ever published was a study of about 48 samples. Um, you know, contrast that, for example, to the size of the studies that we're not doing in the, in the genomic side, where UK Biobank talking about, you know, half a million, NIH a million. And so with the introduction of the Protograph product suite, SEER fundamentally changed that. We can now uh, begin to do very, very large-scale studies on the proteomic side in an unbiased way, exactly as we did on the genomic side uh, over the last uh, 15 years. So, um, and by the way, with with SEER going public um, late last year and a number of other companies that have not come, uh, there's been a tremendous amount of enthusiasm in the marketplace around the entire proteomic space. Um, Of course, these companies all approach the problem in a different way but nonetheless, all synergistic and all very complementary.
2: All right. Uh, a lot to learn here. I mean, the space is, is so new. Uh, like you said, everyone probably knows genomics, but uh, uh, maybe I'm just... Uh, making a judgment call, but like I'm way less familiar on 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 uh, on what you're working on than 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 the water genomics. So a lot to learn here. We look forward to seeing the commercialization uh, next year. Uh, but Omi, David, thank you both for joining us today on Benzinga Alive.
5: Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate right. it. Yeah, thank you, Spencer. I appreciate it.
2: Have a good one. Yes. Uh, all right, we got a few minutes here, and what I want to do, Aaron, is. If we haven't done a crypto update yet. Yeah, we have to do that. Uh, but I also want to look at uh, just the just the overall market today. Uh, if I can pull The up overall up. market. If I can just pull Let up. Let me in, guess. Pull up a Pro. That's. Wait, where is my Pro? Here it is. And I want to go to uh, my scanner. Okay. And this is the tool that I use throughout the day. Oh, D Nut. Uh, right. Krispy Kreme. Right. So this is the tool that I use for, throughout the day um, to. Look at what is up, what is down, but mostly from the open. That's what I'm interested in, right? What is up, what is down from the open? Because the overnight session can kind of screw with, uh, you know, numbers a little bit. So um, then this is how I get, like, my sense for sentiment for the day. So top left is where my eyes are right now. I'm looking at the companies, uh, and I'm sort of by top gainers, by percent change from the open. What do I see? Basically, no one big. I see nothing important here. I see d like Aaron Bree just said. I see LabD, which is a leverage ETF. I see CPIX. I don't know what that is, to be honest with you. Um, FCUV. That's interesting. Uh, the point is small names. Look, the SQQQs. Short the Qs. That tells me all I need to know. Short the Qs is one of my top gainers today. Uh, the market's top gainers today. So, short tech. There you go. Same idea. Um, No big names that are going to have influence on the market are up or are at least at the top of your leaderboard today from the open, right? WW, not interesting, right? Small company. And on the contrary, you move down to your bottom left, first off, just look at the, the amplitude. To just just look at the size of these moves. Your top gainer today is up twelve percent. Your top loser is down twice that, twenty four percent. All right, and you've got much larger. Name. First off, you have many more names, and you have larger because the entire market is down. Even like here, can we look at uh, uh, Marvel? Is it Marvel or Marvel? I don't know. A- M R V L, right? Because they had earnings last night. They, they great-
1: made the superhero movies, right?
2: Sure. No, they had great earnings last night. Okay. Stock open higher. Well, the high of the day was three hours ago, right? We've basically gotten, we, we, if you bought Marvel at the open, you're down. Assuming you didn't sell it uh, in, into that pot, which maybe that was a good trade. But um, my point is nothing is up today. <laughs> Krispy Kreme is up today. That should tell you all you need to know, right? It's just one of those days.
1: Uh, can we check in on my trade that I made? I, b- I bought a Moderna. Yeah,
2: you bought your, your, your bullish Moderna here for for the next week or next couple of days here. Yeah. How, how, are we, how are we looking?
1: I see that little green candle. It looks like we're trying to get a pop. I need more buyers coming in.
2: All right, let's go to a daily here. Once we
1: break that uh, 300 mark, whew, off to the races.
2: Come on, daily. Come on, daily. Whoa. Wait a minute here. What's that high? Uh, what two eight two eighty nine. All right, we got a ways to we got a ways to go. Uh, before right.
1: we hit, you think we're gonna come all the way down to that resistance level? No, I just
2: wanted to see where, where where the high was. Um, wait, what what is that? What the heck is that candle there? Which one? The one from November fourth. Uh, I think that was after earnings, maybe. I don't know what that is. What is going on with this chart? All right, Miss Mix.
1: Uh, Tiny Pie. I so my routine. For the ice rink, we've tried it a couple times. I, I, I'm working in some spins, a couple jumps here and there, um, but we, we really just want to make sure it's all all patterned down and perfect before we go out and do it.
2: Yeah, um, no ETA on that. We're not going to like commit to a date until we're like pretty sure that we have something prepared. Yeah, Shelly, you good call. TLT is up today, right? That's all. That's all. That's all we need to know. Is the TLT is trading higher, uh, but every. Every sector in the red from the open. That's what matters to me, and that's where we are today. So, as I said off the top of the show, it is a good day to talk about shorting. We're going to do that in a half hour with uh, Dan Pepitone from Trade Zero and Stephen Johnson, who's a trader. We're going to talk all about shorting. If you have questions about shorting, how to do it, this is going to be a new recurring segment that we do um, every single week so save your questions there was no question no question too stupid to ask i promise you we, we we literally have gone out of our way to make this as simple and easy to understand as possible some of you are going to be like yeah yeah yeah. i know i know well then it's not it's not for you frankly right it's for people that that don't know so that'll be at at one, one o'clock here um but Aaron Bree, we haven't done a crypto update today, so you mind rolling that intro while I bring up our heat map?
1: Yes, sir, Uh, I can. Let's take a look at this heat map, Spencer. It kind of looks like a heat map of the overall stock market today. A lot. (laughs) of red we've talked about this before spencer kind of the correlation between crypto and the stock market at least in the big two bitcoin and ethereum we see bitcoin and ethereum both down more than three percent today ethereum down nearly four percent bitcoin down three and three tenths percent cardano down seven and a half percent you can see dogecoin up there down three and a half percent If Dogecoin gets below that $0.20 level, Spencer, I I don't know when the last time we've seen Dogecoin below $0.20. Shiba Inu down as well. Matic up. Matic is up. Uh, One of the few cryptocurrencies that is up today uh, as well as.
2: Yeah, Matic, you got Luna. Yeah, Adam.
1: What, AXS, is that Avalanche? No, AVAX is Avalanche. What's AXS?
2: I don't know. Let's let's uh, click on it. Oh, Axie Infinity. Duh. Axie Infinity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, like, obviously, crypto is a is a is a risk asset. Um, I'm not convinced that if if the stock market were to go down for several months in a row, like it's it six months in a row, or maybe even if it were to go down for you know for a year, I'm not convinced that crypto would go down with it. If we had a longer term period of we- of weakness, not a crash, not a crash, just like a longer term period of downward movement in the stock market, I, I'm not convinced crypto would go down. Um, wait, 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 wait. You're saying if we
1: see the stock market continue to go down, yeah. you're not convinced crypto will continue to go down? Correct. I am. I think, you are. Okay. I, I think we're correlated until
2: proven otherwise. Well, we are correlated on any given day. I mean, look at today, for example, right? But, I mean, there was something to be said for for crypto being a hedge. Nope, I don't buy it. No, not at Does all. Does anyone chat? Is anyone on my side here? I'm I, sure there. I, are people I, I,
1: I, I think I have a. I think, I think that's like a, a, a. It's a contrarian opinion that I don't believe. Really? In. I think
2: I'm the contrarian.
1: <laughs> that you're saying you're the contrarian that you think that crypto is a hedge. That's I, the whole point. That's everyone that like loves crypto loves talking about it as a hedge like oh my god inflation so bad you got to buy bitcoin oh if you want to insulate yourself from a, a market crash you got to buy bitcoin uh, uh, yeah
2: okay so that's what the holders say the holders, but it- everybody else says agrees with you <laughs> right like all the people like all like the the i don't know i don't, I don't know how to categorize them most financial most finance people agree with you not me uh dennis dennis agrees with you um, I don't know. I I, I just uh. Yeah, all right, Alexander uh agrees with me. Um, and and and, no, and, and 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 AJ AJ is saying just plotting me. Oh, we can do that right now. Um, but the one th- the one thing though AJ is I just
1: tried to do that and it didn't really work. It worked. It didn't really prove my point as much, so I didn't.
2: Well, up. well, the problem with that AJ though is that we had like I I'm saying if we had a longer term period. Of market weakness, which we haven't had. We haven't had. The SPY hasn't gone down four months in a row in six years.
1: I actually think, Spencer, that if the market goes down, say, 10% in the month of January, I'd bet that Bitcoin's down even more than that.
2: I don't know if I would take the other side of that, uh, but, oh, but okay. So that comes your whole argument. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I'm saying over, but it, you have to, you have to like zoom out though. You got to like, you got to go longer term.
1: I know you're saying that if the market goes down, crypto is going to be a hedge. It's not going to correlate with the market.
2: I didn't say over one month. I said over like six months. Okay. Well, can can I do what AJ wanted? I'm going to pull up a chart of the spot in the BTC here. Uh, um, come on, oh what? That's weird. It didn't work. Hold on.
1: Yeah, Jay Rice gets it. Crypto is a hedge the same way gold's a hedge.
2: Well, that hasn't worked. So does, exactly. that, pro- does that that proves your point, not <laughs> exactly. mine? Okay, wait a minute. Can I pull up this chart? This is not
1: like there. There have uh. been there have been uh actual times where we can see uh Bitcoin not acting as a hedge over the past two years when the market crashed from from coronavirus.
2: Yeah, Bitcoin that was crashed. a that was a crash. That's Bitcoin not what cash. I'm talking about.
1: I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I'm i saying history hasn't shown me that. So what's going to make me believe that There that's is gonna... no history. We haven't had
2: a long-term period. But there of... is.
1: There's like a 10-year history of, of Bitcoin in the markets. And for a while, that it had no correlation whatsoever. And then in the past year, year and a half, we've seen some correlation. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's...
2: Uh... Okay, you're right. This chart... It doesn't work. It shows us nothing. <laughs> this shirt is useless. It doesn't work. This shirt is useless. Take it off the screen. This shows me nothing. Um <laughs> that was a chart crime. But um I my, my I guess my, my point is this. We haven't had the stocks haven't really gone down for a long period of time. And I would say long the word long is arbitrary. I would define it as like um at least one quarter of 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 uh of declines. Haven't had that for quite a while, okay? We'll call it, maybe we'll call it two, we'll even say two quarters. Um, any given day, any given week, yeah, any given month, maybe. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that much. Uh, Bitcoin could be correlated with stocks. But longer term, I, I'm i not, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not convinced. And I know, I think the majority are, are with him, or with Aaron. Well, they're
1: both risk assets, like you said. I know, so when- <laughs> I know.
2: I'm i I don't know man I just we don't have precedent for this so I'm not willing to um call for Bitcoin thirty thousand just yet
1: speaking of precedent I haven't really heard of people talking about
2: these unprecedented
1: times as much as we were like a year ago <laughs> wait what <laughs> Like like
2: the term unprecedented times. Remember,
1: ever, like last year, every like it was like everyone we were yeah. talking about unprecedented times like ten yeah. times a day. Yeah, I guess maybe we're in more precedented times right now. I yeah.
2: don't know. It <laughs> the times are so precedented. <laughs> These times we're in are precedented as heck. Okay, um, uh, kind of Omicron Delta. We we have they're so there. they're so precedented. Andy, why what isn't a risk asset? Uh, Bonds, Andy. Gold, cash, uh, com- uh, frankly, a lot of commodities, right? Silver. Uh, these are examples of... of, of- NFTs? No. <laughs> the, the, the ones, the things that I said are examples of, quote-unquote, safe haven assets. My point is that uh, we, in the history of Bitcoin being a thing, we um, actually, no, in the history of Bitcoin being mainstream, which I guess we can say has been, what, four or five years now, um we haven't had any period of prolonged weakness i don't i i'm not i am not going to assume the two will be correlated when i don't when we don't have any history of that happening um money match yeah money under your pillow is also a a a um safe haven asset um would, would that would be a risk off asset but yeah
1: but then you're losing money to inflation i don't like that
2: now you're making my argument i don't like that <laughs> I don't like cash. Now you're making my argument. Bitcoin, inflation ahead, just what I'm saying. Um, uh, Yeah, so bonds, gold, cash, uh, cash equivalents, money market funds, which is cash, um, those would all be quote unquote safe haven, risk off assets. Um, You could even go a little bit further and say like value stocks, but in a market crash, everything, correlations go to one. Value goes down with growth. Um, it's been a pretty rough 15 years for value stocks. So, But some some people would, would argue value stocks in a uh, weak market. But, you know, dividends, stocks that pay dividends, right? Because that's cash in your pocket. Um, but those stocks also stink right now. So,
1: I don't know. Why well, I don't get why. Going back to
2: Moderna real quick. <laughs> Eric says invest in seeds. That's not a bad idea. Okay. My, wait, who was it? It was the guy from the big short, Brad Pitt. In, in the big short, uh, Invested in Seeds. What's up? Yeah. I do have... F- oh, yeah, REITs. That's a go on RM, REITs. I
1: was just listening to a, uh, I think it was like a radio lab or something on NPR where they were talking about the, uh, they have these banks of seeds like buried in, in Antarctica, like in case of like an apocalyptic yeah. event yeah. they have like food storage and they're all, it, it, it sounded pretty cool because they have these guys working in these like remote locations where they have these like huge food banks just filled with seeds
2: yeah that, you know about that no no i know I, I didn't know about that but but i'm acknowledging it it sounds cool how, how did we go along in antarctica? Is, is there a read for antarctica someone i don't know someone out there in the chat maybe if you've if you've
1: heard that story before let me, I, I i forget that's what i do i listen to the radio on the way home and i absorb it. do you listen to the
2: radio or you listen to podcasts both okay I, do you actually listen to the radio radio
1: yeah, I used to. Wow. Well, in college, like my car didn't have a Bluetooth or Aux cord or anything. Yeah. So I literally just listened to our local yeah. like NPR station yeah, all the too. time. But they play um, you know, This American Life, Radio Lab, like all that. So those are podcasts, technically, but yeah. I listen to them on the all radio. Right,
2: that's what I, I, I've lived here for – I lived in Michigan for uh, six years now, and I still cu- – I couldn't name you one radio station, I don't think. Oh,
1: shoot. Did we get the uh, – wait, here? Yeah. 1051 The Bounce. <laughs>
2: 10.51 The Bounce. That's not real. There's no way that's real. I swear to God, that's, that's real. There's no way,
1: Aaron, Aaron, Thomas. 10.51 The Bounce, have you heard of it? What? 10.51 The Bounce. Do, do you know what that is? Okay.
2: Yeah. All right. All right.
1: Thank you. All right. That doesn't sound Point real. Point A-B. All right, and it looks like someone said, oh, shoot. We got the 300 cross on a dinner, but then it came back down. Um... <laughs>
2: The bounce. It's like it's funny. I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. Um, well, we could we could
1: make it a stock thing like when a stock bounces off resistance,
2: like the bounce.
1: The bounce. All right. Yeah. All right. Um. No, it's not a stock radio station. It's a. It's like hip hop. Uh. So what I was gonna say about Moderna is, so right now everyone's talking about it, like obviously with good reason talking about it as like a COVID vaccine play. But I feel like people are overlooking Moderna's technology when it comes to, sure. um, you know, because of what what they were able to do with the COVID vaccine. Now they have the ability to essentially help alleviate AIDS and like all these other diseases. Um, so I feel like investors are just getting kind of overlooked or getting they're overlooking Moderna's long term potential right now because they're only looking at it as a as a COVID play.
2: Sure. I everything you said is, I think, accurate. The problem though is Moderna is also growth, and the market hates growth right now.
1: It is, but Spencer, if you look at Moderna's say like PE compared to other okay, growth okay, stocks, okay, let's do hold it. Hold on, hold on, before you look, what okay. do you think Moderna's PE is?
2: Oh gosh, the forward PE or the trailing PE? I don't know. I okay, I'm gonna guess. I don't know this. I'm top of my head, fifty. Okay, Chat, what do you think without looking?
1: What is Moderna's PE? Someone's going to cheat. 50.
2: I'm guessing 50.
1: All right, you're guessing 50. I've, I'm
2: probably way off. Let, let, let's go on the pro. Where's my pro? Here it is. Go to D, Go to overview. What? Really? Yeah. 4 PE of 12? Yep. Huh.
1: So when you look at Moderna compared to other growth stocks, it's not even tra- trading at that crazy of a value.
2: All right. Okay, you got me there.
1: And <laughs> if... if if So we had not a great jobs report this morning.
2: I, I, that seems to be the consensus, yes.
1: Not a great jobs report? Yeah. So if the 10-year bond yields stay low, that's great for these gross stocks. And I would love to see Moderna trading back up at that $450, $500 right. level it was. I, I
2: was way off. Noah was close. Noah said it was like $16. Um, it's
1: just surprisingly low.
2: You're right, it is. I... And not think that. And you know what's also crazy about that is the, it's not like it's not as if like the, the forward PE is high and the trailing is low. They're but like they're both in line, I and mean, you don't often see that very often. But can the, we
1: talk about what the difference is between the forward PE and trailing PE?
2: Okay. Yes. Uh, pre, PE stands for price to earnings ratio. It's probably the king of the valuation ratios. If you don't know what that is, it's just um, it's a way that we can compare stocks to one another. Um, because companies have uh, uh, different sizes, different growth rates, uh, different, different uh, float, different number of shares out there in the market. PE is a way to just give one number price divided by earnings per share, and that one number serves as a general ballpark for how, quote-unquote, expensive uh, a stock is how much money you have to pay for the for those earnings that the company is develop is 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 making. Um, the historical PE of the S and P 500 is I want to say like 15, I think. Chad, help me out. I'm pretty sure it's 15. Historical um, PE. Historical PE of, P of S&P? the S and P 500 is like 15. I think it's around there. Yep. Uh, or or is it wait is it 30? Wait, Chad, is it 15 or 30?
1: Let's do a quick. Um... Historic PE of S and P five. It's somewhere in that ballpark. Hold on, there's a
2: fruit fly. Twenty-eight eighty-three.
1: Twenty-eight. I'm sorry. Cur- no it- current S and P PE ratio.
2: Okay. That's current. Yeah. It's okay. So it's like twenty. I think it might be closer to twenty. The historical PE. I'm saying. Yeah. Hurt's Hurt says fifteen. Okay. So anyway. So current PE ratio of the S and P five hundred twenty-eight. So like that's your that's your measuring stick, and now we can use basically. Look so, at
1: so essentially it's like without this isn't golden standard 100% but yeah. stocks that are trading of a PE below 15 you could argue are With value cheap yeah right. for for how much money they're making what's on their balance sheet stocks right. that are trading above the 15 you you could say are expensive but what we've seen over the last 20 years is a lot of these stocks that have high PEs keep going up mm-hmm. um, and people are willing to pay that premium for these growth stocks that yep. they know are gonna be making money down the line. So whether it's, you're looking at Apple, uh, te- well, Apple's PEs actually look pretty good right now, not, but like not terrible. Tesla's, you know, some of these crazy growth stocks that people are willing to pay that higher premium to get their hands in early uh, for that growth down the road.
2: Yeah, so okay, to answer your original question, which was forward PE versus trailing PE, trailing PE looks at his past earnings, prior earnings, right? The earnings that already happened. Forward PE looks at forward earnings estimates that the company has given. Now, future earnings, forward earnings, are more important because that's what we care about is future earnings. We don't care about past earnings. If you're an investor, you're not paying for past earnings; you're paying for the expectation of future earnings. So, forward PE is generally is is, is more important. Um, I it's it's what I would default to over trailing PE. Um and hey not every company has a PE ratio because not every company has earnings.
1: What so um mm-hmm. Noah brings up a good point though just that PE might be a little bit different for for biotech stocks than uh if you're looking at like a technology stock or something but uh yeah I mean that that's the bottom line for me is talking about being long Moderna which I I am um it, it's We've just heard a lot about how transformative this mRNA technology can be, and we've seen it work in action with the COVID vaccine. But going forward, I think there are going to be a lot of other applications. Could Moderna come down more? Of course. Um, But I feel confident that in the long term, you know, if we're talking five, 10 years down the line, uh, Moderna will be. Doing pretty well because I think they are the leaders in this space that we'll see other biotechnology companies uh, get into in this MRNA space. I just
2: want to say, uh, one of the, speaking of podcasts, Aaron, I listened to a podcast from NPR called How I Built This. They had the founder of Moderna on like two months ago. This guy has founded like five companies um, and Moderna is one of them. And he was like probably like one of the smartest people that I've ever heard speak. Really, he seemed like a literal genius, um, and yeah, I, I recommend that. Uh, it's called How I Built This. It's from a podcast from NPR. The episode's from like a month, a month and a half ago or something. But um, check. I don't even remember the guy's name honestly. I think they had Coinbase's
1: CEO. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that one yet. Okay, that's I, Brian Armstrong. My, my
2: friend sent me that one. I haven't gotten there yet, but I will. I'm, I'm behind on my podcast. But what else is new? Um, uh, Jay asked, "What's Jay?" I feel like that's a trick question. Jay, you know the answer to that question. That's a trick. I don't know. I'm not going to fall for your trick, Jay. Um, I don't know how it's a trick, but it's definitely a trick. Um, uh, Andy, why uh, why is a TLT going up so fast? Well, uh,
1: is that the the bond yield?
2: Yeah, it's the 20-year bond ETF. So strictly speaking, Andy, TLT is inversely correlated to banks. Where's my pro? Let's give me a pro up on the screen here. So, strictly speaking, uh, TLT is universally correlated to banks. So, banks go down, TLT goes up, vice versa. Uh, You can see the XLF today, the financials, the the bank ETF uh, is down. So, what is TLT doing? It is up. But the 10-year Treasury note is down. Yeah, man. Dude, yield curve stuff makes my head hurt. We'll we'll,
1: we'll, we'll do some research over the
2: weekend. So, but this is a reaction – to this, basically, only reacts to macro things like the jobs number, which we had today, which AB mentioned was light. Um, far fewer jobs added last month than 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 uh, economists were expecting. Uh, though, if I'm being honest with you, I don't know how. I mean, look, the economy is so unprecedented right now, Aaron Bree, in terms of uh, all the shocks that to the system that COVID. COVID delivered. I see what you did. There. Um, um, thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know how much stock or how much weight we should be putting into uh, estimates because things are so screwy. So the data is so screwy. Um, that being said, we need estimates because we need something to compare the number to, and we need someone to tell us how to feel. Um, so, but these the estimates were way off for this month. The Number was way light. Um, what does that mean? Does it mean the Fed? Uh, uh puts their foot back on the gas. I don't I I don't know frankly. Um but anyway, um what else do we have here? Yeah, uh yeah, Ramon, the the Moderna guy was like was I don't know if he was smarter than Elon, but he was so freaking smart. Wicked honestly. smart. He he was and yeah, hey, that was a Boston plug cuz they were in Massachusetts. So so um what else <laughs> <laughs> What else here? Um it's actually in Cambridge what's the difference sorry i find something it's, it's like it's like uh i don't know what even is the difference boston Ann, Ann
1: arbor to, to detroit except for case
2: no difference it's not different it's the same thing whatever um whatever um okay we had a few minutes here before uh we have a uh, this brand new i'm very excited guys for this segment uh dan is a character steven is also a character the guys that we're gonna have on in, in like five minutes uh, from Trade Zero, so I'm very excited for that. After them, at one thirty, we'll have uh, Tony Benson, um, from uh, Wealth Builders HQ and uh, Amazing Power Patterns, so he's gonna uh, give us his charts, what he's looking at today, uh, this week, and um, hopefully, hopefully give us some some ideas, either on the short side or on the long side or or a little bit of both um
1: yeah before we get into it so we are going to be talking about short selling which i know has gotten just the the idea of short selling has gotten a bad rap over the past uh year year and a half or so i think it's important to understand that short selling is actually a a very um important part of the stock market it allows the stock market to function efficiently yep um without it i don't know Really, the market would essentially not be able to to operate in a free market in the uh, functional, efficient way that it does currently. And it also allows, you know, people to get skin on both sides. So it's like you you can make money off a stock you hate.
2: Yep. I I, my dad and I had this debate a few years ago and I said the exact same thing you just said. And my dad goes, you sound like some Wall Street guy, some hedge fund guy. I don't buy it. It's like all right. Um but I agree with everything you just said. Without without shorts this is what happens, right? Without shorts everything goes way up up wait. Let me go this way. Up 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 crash. That's what happens without shorts, right? Shorts keep the market efficient. Shorts prevent that, right? Nobody wants this. Nobody wants that.
1: Well, and and it's kind of ironic because the same people that talk about Look, like a lot of the quote unquote apes, the people that were that were trading uh GME, AMC yeah. that talk about how much they hate short sellers, or even if you're if you made a lot of money on Tesla, you wouldn't have had that run up without short sellers.
2: No, no, that's exactly what happened. There were no short sellers. Like well, we'll, 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 here let's, we'll go to GameStop or whatever. We'll go to GME GME or, or here. We'll just do GameStop. Okay. Um you had a A Absence of shorts there weren't nobody wanted to short gamestop in in late January. Are you kidding me, right? That's why? That's why you had that huge spike and then subsequent crash Because there were no shorts. That's what shorting does it keeps the market efficient. I'm zoom. Let me just zoom in more This is ridiculous Um, Right like this is not ideal Nobody wants this Okay, because if you're long and you sold up here, then then yeah, great for you. You got lucky. You didn't know when the top was. No one knew when the top was. Congratulations if if you made a great trade here and you, and you made some money. Um, but this, a lot of people lost money here, right? Like everyone talks about the guy, the people that that bought at at fifty and sold at three hundred or four hundred. What about the person that bought at three hundred or four hundred and is now down fifty percent, right? I mean, this is what happens without shorts in the market. This crazy stuff, right? Nobody wants crazy stuff. We we like order. We like orderly buying and orderly selling. Shorts are just as part of the market as everything else. And uh, our next guests are going to talk more about that. Uh, and I'm very excited to that, to to uh, to have him on. Um, y- y- yeah, I mean, there are some also. your mohammed has got a good point winning circumstances with the GameStop thing, but by and large, absence of shorts is creates creates chaos, and nobody wants chaos. People like when the market behaves itself. Um, and and Ramon is right too, frankly. Shorts are more comfortable than pants.
1: Yeah, that's the comment of the day. Shorts are. I, I agree with that.
2: I I wouldn't go go quite as far as what Mike is saying. Crashes are good. I would I would say. Um, Dips are good, right? Um, I would say corrections are good. I mean, crashes aren't fun. We had a crash last year; that was terrifying. That was actually terrifying. I was first time in my life. I, uh, you know, I, I was like, scared of like the market. It seems so long. We're almost coming up on two years of that, Spencer. I know. Isn't that crazy? Time flies
1: when you're having fun in the <laughs> market. You're
2: having fun when you're yoloing on. Out of the money weeklies, time flies, right?
1: <laughs> yep,
2: yeah. Um, all right, you know what? I see them both here, so let's just bring them on. I'm gonna bring on Dan Tippatoni, who's the CEO of uh, uh, Trade Zero, and um, we've got an independent trader joining us as well from and all from different parts of the world. I want to add, uh, Dan Dan is in New York, and uh, Steven uh, Johnson is. Uh, he'll have to remind me where he is. He's somewhere in South America. But uh let's let's do this segment right now with Trade Zero. What's up guys?
7: What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? S- 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 remind, re-
2: remind me where you are again.
7: Dude, I'm I'm in the greatest place on earth, Rio de Janeiro. It's just surfing oh. this morning. It's uh it's paradise down here. Wow, that is epic.
2: That is epic. So we got Dan Dan in New York. We got Steven in Rio. We got uh, Aaron Bree and I in snowy uh, Detroit. But that was the breaks. Okay, so just to (laughs) set set the stage for a second, okay? Why are we doing this right now? Why do you care? First off, Trade Zero, as it says on the bottom of the screen there, they were the winner for the second year in a row of the Benzinga Fintech Award uh, for Best Short Selling platform okay um, so we thought who better to talk to about shorting uh than these guys uh, right now so dan welcome steven welcome
8: thanks fellas appreciate the time and uh, thanks for having us
2: okay let's start with this uh i said uh when i was teasing the segment a few minutes ago i said we are going to really go basic here. No question is too dumb to ask. So with that being said, Dan, I'm going to start with the most basic question. Right. In the world, in the world, what is short selling?
8: So very, very basically speaking, what a short sale is, is when an investor has to on something going
2: Wait, wait, down. no. Dan, your your audio is, is clipping. Hold on, hold on. Your audio just just went janky.
1: We might need to switch headsets here. One.
8: Better?
2: Yes. Yes.
8: Back? Okay. Good? Okay. All right.
2: Good? Okay. Okay. I I think we got you.
8: All right. So short selling is uh, when investors, want short selling securities, want to, uh, so it's basically a a strategy that folks can use to profit when stocks go down. Uh, So basically what happens is a short seller will identify a security that they feel is going to go down. Uh, They initiate a short sale and ideally the stock will go down. And when, if they cover it at a lower price, that difference between where they sold it and where they bought it back is their profit margin. If they were to short sell something and the stock went up and against them and they covered, that would be a losing trade.
2: So, so can you explain, like, who, who are the types of people, Dan, that, that, that short the market? Like, a- anyone can in theory, right?
8: A- anyone can. So there's a few things. There are a few requirements in order to short sell the market. Number one, your broker has to be someone that allows you to short sell. That's first and foremost. Number two, you need to have a margin account. In order to have a margin account, you need to both fill out the margin paperwork with your broker when you're signing up your account. Uh, and you also need to maintain $2,000 to maintain a margin. So once you have those pieces in place, uh, then you're in a position to do a short sell if you so desire. So who are those people? For the most part, guys, uh, I would say just kind of to paint some broad strokes here. These are folks who are, you know, maybe not, this is not their first trade. They're doing a short sale on. Uh, these are folks who understand have a little bit more experience in, in, in the markets and how trading works. And I think many of these people who, who who get into short selling are people who may have been you know in a long position, uh, and then something happens and the stock goes down so freaking fast, where they're like, "Hey, I wish that the stocks that I bought would go up as quick as sometimes the ones that I buy when they go down." And so, experiencing that, people then want to you know may look into uh, how they can potentially profit from moves like that, uh, and then so we see that m- many people who are interacting with us on the short side. Are people who do have some experience first trading on the long side and first with trading at all uh, and then you know maybe you've been in a situation where uh, being on the long side is you know worked against them
2: got it and by the way i want to add if you're in the chat and you have a question drop the question in there we'll, we'll, we'll get to your questions um but steven i, I want to go to you because you're a trader yes, so sir. can you tell us a scenario like what what has to happen for you to, to, to what do you have to see out there to to want to initiate a short position. Uh,
7: I mean, it's a good question, and I think probably the best way to answer it would be to to say like what would be a good long idea, and then I can give the opposite to say what what a short a good short potentially would be because then I think it's more easy for people to grasp on the long side to then put it on the opposite and do the short. So so for example, let me give you a scenario when uh, maybe I would go long, like a hypothetical okay I have a funny I have a funny uh, hypothetical on, that comes to mind so honest uh, who does you guys you guys may or may not know who does uh, personally I <laughs> I love the place. Um, so so like hypothetically and, and actually literally who does sell the best wings um, they have great company and by that I mean the staff and the company that you come with. And I have uh, every time I've ever been to Hooters, I've had a fantastic experience. Um, <laughs> okay. So hey, don't so, laugh. Don't laugh. I love Hooters. <laughs> Some great so, chicken wings. Wings are
1: great. They are great. The wings yeah. are great. Cold beer, wings, chicken wings. Oh, what else could you ask for?
7: I never. I've never been sad when I've left Hooters. I like. I've, <laughs> I've, I've entered sad, but I've never left sad. Do you know what I mean? i have always. I'm always entered. <laughs> quite happy when I've been at Hooters. In, in full, full with beautiful, nutritious, delicious chicken wings. So so let's say that I believe that other people are going to think like me, and they're going to think Hooters is uh, as nutritious and delicious as, as, as I do. So if there's an increase in demand and there's limited supply, everyone's going to buy, there's not enough supply, the stock's going to go up, right? So shorting is literally... The exact opposite. So, with Hooters, maybe there's a lot of demand because the chicken wings are delicious, but there's maybe a limited supply if there's too much demand. So, with shorting, we're looking for the exact opposite. We're looking for maybe a lot of supply, uh, a higher float, a very liquid float, like 50, 100, 200, 300 million. And we're looking for very limited demand, we're looking for not too many people. That want to buy. So, for example, I like shorting biotechnology companies. Uh, biotechnology yeah. companies that they haven't made a drug yet, um, but they're trying to. So, if they're trying to make a drug but they haven't yet, they, they don't have any revenues, right? So, how do they make money? They're on the stock market. They raise money from sh- shareholders, and then they keep on going at the expense of the shareholder. So. The way I look at things is if a biotechnology company pops a press release to say um, uh, we're, we're a step closer to releasing this drug, I look at it as, say the stock pops 50% on that news, I look at it as, has your company fundamentally changed? Has, is it now generating revenue? Because currently it's not your bleeding money. If, is your stock, should it be worth 50% more based on the fact that there is hope that there might be a future and for me a lot of the times the answer is no the company shouldn't be up so if there's a, a lot of supply not a lot of demand if people aren't buying the news i think that qualifies a good short.
2: okay um th- 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 there's there's a lot to digest there but that th- i think the biggest thing i'm taking away is that was like the first Hooters reference on this show so I think I, should, I actually I'm, I, I'm assuming.
7: Do they, ha- do they have Hooters in, in Brazil?
2: Yeah, I don't even know.
7: Um, I, I was I was in Dubai for eight years. They definitely don't have Hooters there. Okay. Um, okay.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It'd be a pretty boring <laughs>
7: right. in Brazil, they also don't. No, I haven't seen okay. one yet. McDonald's and Burger King.
2: Moving right along. All right, uh, Dan, you, you kind of already addressed this a little bit. My, ne- my next question, though, is, is I'm trying to go, go about this, like, you know, who, what, when, where, why. Right. So, yes. so. Uh, we we just talked about sort of the when and the why, Stephen would short, but like where and you kind of already said you know you said margin account, uh, yep. you got to have that. Um, but you are coming at this like at this coming out this from a, a trader's perspective. You're coming at this from the other side from the broker's pr- perspective. So tell us just a little bit just about what what happens there.
8: Sure. So again, like I said, you, we're, your broker needs to have availability and the facility to allow you to short sale. So when, when, when a, for, for us, at trade zero, when a customer comes on our platform and they want to do a short sale, they right from the platform, they're, they're easy to see, is the stock easy to borrow or not? And if the stock is easy to borrow, all the, all the person has to do is press short, and the, and the order is going to go out. They don't need to do anything else. And when they're pressing the short button, obviously they're hoping that the stock is going to go down so that they can buy it back at a later point, at a less price, and make that difference between where they sold it and where they buy it back. Now, if a stock is not easy to borrow, then there are a few mechanics that are happening behind the scenes, and I'm going to illustrate those. So uh, on our platform, for example, if a stock's not easy to borrow, we give people a facility to try and find shares. Uh, it's called a locate. I'm not going to go too much into locates. That's, that's kind of a class in and of itself. But in order for to facilitate a short sale on a stock that's not easy to borrow, the broker needs to have a reasonable basis to believe that if the customer shorts the stock and holds it overnight, that we're going to be able to get shares delivered from an outside uh, source. That outside source could be either be our clearing firm, uh, it could be another company that th- that our broker-dealer has a relationship so when a customer comes on the this, this system and they want to short something that's not easy to borrow, easy to borrow means that the stock is is on deposit with our clearing firm and is in is an ample supply. So a stock like an Apple or a Microsoft, you know, there's lots of margin accounts that have those stocks uh, long and that are essentially on deposit with the clearing firm. So what the clearing firm does is when those stocks are sitting in the margin account, they have the opportunity to loan those shares out. To people who want to short the stock, in an effort to bring some collateral into the into the clearing firm, so shorting as a as a mechanism, and the and the ability for a bill for clearing firm to loan shares out for short sellers to borrow and short um, has really come out of a, a a need for clearing firms to raise money. That's kind of how this all started. And so uh, with Trade Zero, when our customers when they want to short something that's not easy to borrow. Behind the scenes, what we're doing is we are going out, we're scouring the universe of brokers that we're hooked up with, and we're saying, this customer wants to short these shares. Can you give us an indication that we are able to get those shares from you if the customer holds them short overnight? If that's a yes, we facilitate the short sale for the customer. If it's a no, then we would not be able to facilitate that short sale because we haven't identified shares that can be lent to us uh, for purposes of shorting those shares. So there's some mechanics. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to sum up. There's some mechanics that are going on really in real time, uh, behind the scenes, where we're facilitating a short sale on something that's not easy to borrow in a matter of seconds. So when a user intimates that they want to short something, we're going out in real time. We're talking about microseconds. We're fanning that request out across multiple places. Those places are coming back and saying, yes, we have availability on this. And if we do have availability, this is the rate to get those shares. We present that to the user. If the user likes the rate, they do it. If they don't, they won't do it.
1: Got it. So I was just gonna ask, when a lot of times for newer newer investors, when uh, we're inquiring about short selling, people will tell us, oh, you don't wanna short sell. You'll set set yourself up for potentially unlimited losses. You you know, what do you say to that? Is that really necessarily true?
8: It is 100% true. Uh, So just like any investment, you know, folks need to be going into them with their eyes wide open. Right. Uh, and so theoretically, um, you know, stocks can go up infinitely. Uh, on the downside, stocks can only go to zero. They don't go negative. Right. We may go negative in our accounts, but the stock price will only go to zero. Uh, on, the th- on the short side, you know, imagine shorting Amazon at $10 a share. Right? It's $3,000 something. Uh, you know, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, so theoretically, that is possible. Uh, but obviously, there are assist- there are risk systems in place. Uh, that broker dealers employ and use uh, for both the broker's protection and also for the customer's protection, uh, that they don't, you know, uh, uh, get into a situation where they're going to lose more uh, than they have in their account. Uh,
2: right, so, and as, uh, it, as it says on the screen there, right? It's sort of really like when we say ask your broker, we're we're not just punting; we're saying ask your broker because every broker is different. So, um, yeah.
8: Well, no. Uh, and I'm familiar with who short selling, and I quote, "to borrowing money." Wait, wait,
2: D- Dan, 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 hold. Uh, on. I, I, Dan, I want you to keep talking, but your mic is being your headset's being weird. And John, it was, it was fine yesterday. <laughs> it was fine yesterday. Hey, wait. In the meantime, why, why you fix that though, Stephen? Can you just speak a little bit just to, to the risk control thing? Because as someone who's shorts, you got to control your risk. That's the most important thing.
7: I mean, look. Uh... The shorting is a great strategy, and it's better, fun, guys. But it's
2: yes, we we got you, data. Yeah, uh, short,
7: shorting is a great strategy, and I see a lot of a lot of the big traders, a lot of the big accounts, a lot of the people who are posting big gains on Twitter are, are all short sellers. But managing risk is absolutely essential, and there's a lot of ways that you can do it. And I think we'll get into it in a later episode. But the yep. reason that managing risk can be challenging is because Sometimes the market can be just absolutely chaotic for no logical reason. So for example, imagine a situation where a, a, a virus spreads and there's a pandemic and everyone has to stay indoors, right? Imagine that situation. It's, it's actually- I can't. Happened, right? It's unimaginable. It's like a movie. Um, so, like corona, so imagine this. Coronavirus is, is spread across the world, right? We're all under lockdown orders. You're not allowed to go out. Yet a cinema chain- AMC is making record highs and it keeps on going higher and it won't stop going higher. So there's times where there's just no logical reason why a stock can go higher yet. It just keeps on making new highs. And that's where shorting is particularly difficult. That's where there's particular risk because like as a short seller, sometimes you can be like this can't go higher. This should not go higher. And um, but the more shorts that think that, the more I can squeeze. So it's it's extremely important to have a plan, stick to a plan. I'm not perfect. Yeah, people aren't perfect, but you've gotta have have a plan, stick to a plan. Like Trade Zero's got auto liquidation. Uh, you you can be tuck out should it go out of control. All
2: right, there's a lot of good questions here. I just want to say this is going to be a, a recurring segment. We're going to get more into the locate thing, uh, and 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 other topics in later segments but i do want to hit on a couple questions here uh muhammad asked a good question earlier muhammad asked a question uh how come sometimes when a stock is going down you can't short it i assume dan that he is referring to the alternative uptick rule i think yes but, so- but, maybe, but maybe he doesn't know what he's referring to can, can you just explain what that is
8: that's a great question. So, yeah, yeah on stocks that are, uh, I think the threshold is down 10%. There's some threshold that the exchanges say where, um, uh, where uh, there is a, the uptick rule kicks in, and this yeah. is a this is a rule that's been put in place really for the purposes of uh, you know of, of 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 protecting stocks and having people pile on and just continue to sell when you know when 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 stuff is happening very quickly, uh, and then adding more fuel to the fire, if you will. So um, when this kicks in, um, what happens is when you want to do a short sell, it's not to say that you can't, but you must put out a short sell at least one penny above the bid price. So if a stock is going down, you need to put a limit order out. If, if a stock that's trading at 10 by 10.01 uh, and it's in this status, if you want to place a short sell, you can't just short a 10. You have to put a short sell in a 10.01 and wait for the stock to come up to your price. In order for you to short it, it's called the bid uptick rule, and that happens when stocks are um, uh, go down by a certain amount in, in a certain period of time.
2: Great question, Muhammad Because I imagine it's frustrating because you, you you can't you can't hit. You have to lift the offer. You can't hit the bid, right? Right. Right. Okay. There's a lot of questions here. We uh, we don't have time to get to all these today, but I promise, guys, Dan and Stephen are going to come back tomorrow or uh, not tomorrow uh, next tomorrow. week. Tomorrow. Tomorrow would be weird. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's just do a couple more of these, guys. Uh, let's do. Oh gosh. Uh, Voodoo. Can you explain to people why a margin account is necessary to short sell? Ooh, that's a good question. A lot of Voodoo. people don't understand the purpose of how margin plays into short selling. Great question or comment.
8: So. You you with a margin account, uh, you are actually borrowing the shares and in order to borrow the shares you need to um you need to have a margin account. Let me think about this for a sec.
4: <laughs> I
3: don't it's need to, really
8: to, to, just, just roll off my tongue. Just uh, just to give
7: me a few seconds to yeah. think about it.
8: I just yeah.
3: wanna
7: say I yeah. am yeah. seeing hashtag hooters in Dubai trending across the comments oh. as well. Oh, just, gosh. just just trending, just let's get that. it going. Maybe maybe we'll okay. open just, one. That is trending just while you have a few seconds to think.
8: Nice. You know what we'll, nice. we'll have to come back to you guys on that question but I I don't know the reason why I just know that it is so I will I will uh we'll come back to you on that one.
2: Okay. Um let's do one more guys and then uh again we're going to be doing this as as a new recurring segment. So let's look at papa bother there's so many good questions. So I here. I I got a question. Sure, go ahead, AB.
1: Would you guys consider like buying puts a way to maybe practice for short selling? Like maybe you're not ready to go out a- and Good. actually short a stock, but you want to kind of dabble with trading on the short side. So maybe you go out and buy some puts. What well,
8: What's great about doing that is that you your downside is limited, right? When you buy a put, your your loss is really limited to just what you've paid for the option contract. So just it's it's a great thought to just to entertain and maybe to mentally kind of train your mind that. I'm not only looking for a stock to go up and and work out for me. So just kind of to just, you know, as a, as an alternative look for, you know, for what an investment looks like, buying a put and just to enunciate, a, a put is an option contract where you're basically betting on the the the, the stock to go down. Uh, the 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 put strike, a uh, profitable put strike, you'd be buying a you'd be buying a, a stock that's higher than your strike and once it goes below this price, you'd be in the money. Um so uh, that's a great that's a great thought uh, Aaron and uh, and I think a strategy that most people that a lot of people would use uh you know before doing a short sale it's a little bit more uh intuitive potentially and also uh you know you have that loss limiting uh, factor as well
1: Well right and like you said Dan you have the limited downside risk when you're buying a put contract but but on the flip side there may be benefits to actually um short selling a stock uh compared to buying puts I, I know uh, for myself, like a lot of times, I'm not looking at the the Greeks, the implied volatility right. when I'm buying contracts. So it, it, you can sometimes buy a put, the stock goes down, and you still end up losing And it money. doesn't, if you're, right. If you're shorting that stock, all that really matters is that it goes down.
8: Correct. And even if it goes down by a penny, you, you, there's still an opportunity for you to make money. The way options trade, you know, it's not going to move penny for penny, uh, you know, with the stock, even if it's in the money. So, yeah, good point. It, it takes a little bit more for the stock to move, uh, you know, depending on where the option is, for, for that to also move, uh, you know, uh, in lockstep
2: got it all right well dan paper is the ceo of trade zero uh steven johnson is an independent trader uh if you want to learn more guys uh you can click on the link that or not click you can look at the link that i put on the screen right there trade co uh or trade zero.co slash y dash trade zero um but uh dan and steven will be on the show again next week so i know we didn't get to all your questions i apologize there there is a we've just cracked the surface here of of shorts there's there's so much more to discuss we will do that next time i promise if you liked the segment hit the like button dan stephen it was great to have you on uh have a great weekend and uh we'll talk to you guys again and next hooters
7: week. in dubai i'll not be allowed to fly back into the country uh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot guys, you okay, guys bye. all right
2: uh, all right guys, let's go come on wait. We'll, hold.
1: Well, yeah, yeah that, that was awesome
2: recurring segments. We said we were gonna be doing a recurring segments Let's go. Thank you Dan Steven uh, Your characters
1: JD's what are you doing JD's? Oh, Why no. are you out? <laughs> Why are wait, you getting out?
2: I, I actually can I can I just say that I, um, I, 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 I I? Was a little bit distracted during that segment. I'm, I'm not gonna lie Because um, you were thinking about Hooters no 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 i i have um very few interests in my life uh one of them is the university of maryland where i went to college uh specifically the university of maryland basketball team uh and our head coach just resigned like while that was going on while that was going on the season is like a month we're like a month into the season and mark turden just resigned so so my phone's blowing up right now so i was i apologize if i seem distracted were they
1: having a bad year uh, yeah it's not great so um i hold up well, while we're talking about college i don't want to talk about college basketball because i'm sure spencer you can remember back when mizzou was kind of like a perennial top 25 team hashtag would, hashtag kim english yeah yeah kim english yeah. we would compete with uh you know kansas and everyone yeah, yeah. we played liberty last night who's a a
2: sun team atlantic sun yes okay do you want
1: to guess the score of the game
2: no i don't want to guess the score of the game just tell me what happened (laughs) uh liberty won 66 to 45. that stinks
1: yeah missouri is not good at basketball
2: Not good at football either all right so this has been your college basketball talk but um anyway uh we're going to be doing these every single week like i said we're we're, going to go more in depth on the locate process right how that works we're going to talk about uh like fundamental or technical setups. We're gonna talk about controlling your risk. We're gonna talk about using, how to use the VWAP. Uh, we're gonna talk about different patterns you can use. So there's a lot to get to. We're gonna talk more about this in subsequent weeks, but just so you know, this was just a, a preview, an app, a teaser, if you will. Uh, on short selling, uh, thanks to the guys at Trade Zero for uh, for setting that up for us. Uh Okay, it is one twenty three. Aaron, we're going to have Tony Benson join us in seven minutes to run through. Hey, and he shorts. Tony shorts too, so well, maybe he'll have some short setups for us today. I,
1: I, we were talking about it earlier in the show, Spencer. What? That we just have to wait and see what happens. That so, you know, we get these. Red days. It doesn't mean that it, we're, we're going to see the market crash overall. I see some buyers coming into this market. Oh, gosh, a few different stocks are already starting to come up and bottom out. Um, really, off that bottom?
2: Can we look at some charts? Well, I don't know the spy
1: the S the S and P. Uh, it was at four fifty in out uh, when we started the show, and now it's at four fifty three. All right. Well, that's
2: that's that's not nothing.
1: It, it it's, it's not it's a Half a percent. So we were down 1.5%, and now we're only down 1% on the SPY.
2: Yeah, let's, let's go intraday. No, not that. that Intraday on the SPY. Let's go. Come on. Computer, there we go. Five 15 minutes. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Oh, come, on. come on. Come on.
1: Come on. You're not showing the full picture. Here, I'm, I'm
2: trying to zoom and scroll. Give me a break. My computer is slow. I'm um, not
1: saying, oh, my God, we're flipping green on the day. I'm saying the bleeding has... We put a tourniquet on the bleeding for
2: right now. (laughs) All right, forget the spy. For right now. Show me the Qs. Actually, you know what? Forget the spy. Show me the Qs and the IWM.
1: I bet Qs were getting an even bigger bounce.
2: No. That's about the same. No, Uh, but I would have guessed with you. Hey, how's the IWM doing? Because the IWM is in serious trouble. Okay, let's zoom out on this chart. This daily. It looks ugly. You have a series of lows here. Right from August... From September it's kind. you can kind of draw a trend line there right July you got these lows I mean I'm I'm no I'm no Jake Wojastic with, with my trend lines here but um, I mean you can clearly you can clearly just draw that right there and just go right bada-bing but I mean sort of kind of I mean not really cuz we've actually fallen through that line so um, this does not look good this does not look good in in the IWM this has been the index has been on the struggle bus all year. Um, this is the one that has a is a true representation of the market because the S and P five hundred is so top heavy. The IWM has two thousand stocks in it, and the largest the largest stock I think is AMC, and it's like one percent or something like that, one and a half percent. So this is concerning. This is concerning, no doubt. But like you said, AB, the bleeding has stopped for the moment. I'm gonna hold my breath though until 3:45 uh, when we get uh, those end of day imbalances. Can I make
1: a bold, a bold prediction? Can I
2: guess what your bold prediction is going to be? Yeah, the lower the day is in.
1: Uh, 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 yeah, the, I don't even think that's that bold though.
2: Okay, fine. What is your what's your bold prediction?
1: I think we're going to see a big run into the close.
2: That is it. Okay, define. Wait, define a big run like
1: uh half percent on spy
2: so like you think we're gonna okay wait I'm on the sorry so on the spy you think we could end the day at what 456 yeah
1: let's say that but but but, but my my bold prediction that is that it. we're gonna be like it's gonna be in the last like 10 minutes 10 20 do you remember that by the way like during the coat the covid markets um, we would have these like crazy run and sell-offs into the close, like the last like yeah. well, I'm sure if, if you guys, if you were doing your at the close show, um, yeah, I don't know if I you guys remember. were at the time or not, but yes, yeah,
2: yeah, yep. I remember. <laughs>
1: uh, there would be some days where, especially on Fridays, like going into a weekend where we would see certain stocks like run up, um, you know, ten, twenty percent into close. It was just crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy time. It, it was so crazy that it took. It took me a while. It probably took a lot of people a while to like really remember what a normal time looked like because it was just it was like one thing. I, it, it was co it was it was COVID, and then then the Fed just like dropped the hammer, and everything ripped high. And then you had the meme stocks happen. So, you know it, and you can argue that we're still not back to an entirely normal market. I, I would say I would say we mostly are in terms of just. More well, more...
1: we we don't see the like crazy amount of volatility that we saw during the COVID. You know, it's like
2: yeah, it... yeah, yeah. I mean, here can we look at the VIX? No, I don't think we can on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, the VIX has come down. Uh, it, it took though like a solid year for things to sort of settle down. Um, it's almost hard to remember what things were like before COVID. Wait, you
1: can pull, pull up VXX on.
2: Oh, see, I forgot about the VXX.
4: <laughs> Truth be told.
1: Thanks. This is, Aaron. Why, this is why Spencer needs A B here. Sometimes. Wait Wait a
2: minute. Wait a minute. Okay. The the VIX short term futures ETN? Okay. I mean it's gonna roughly you're right. it's gonna it's... roughly
1: track the VIX.
2: Fine. Fine. Look, we've gone up. Ruh-roh. I love it.
1: <laughs> if you're an options trader, you gotta love when you get a little bit more volatility. I miss these like big crazy runs. I remember there was one day, um it wasn't me, it was one of my buddies that that we we were trading together though, and he bought these crazy Netflix calls like okay. at like three forty-five. And Netflix ended up running like five percent Wait, three forty
2: five, like the time? Yeah. Okay, just checking.
1: <laughs> three forty five PM Eastern, like fifteen minutes away from close, and he ended up turning like a couple hundred bucks on these crazy out-of-the-money calls that expired in like quite literally fifteen minutes. And made like a thousand dollars off from whatever. And I was like, only in this market, only in this environment. It was like probably last May, May I want to say, two two months after uh, the COVID crash.
2: Can I, can I just say, sometimes Aaron and I uh, give ideas and then don't take our own advice. Um, if you are watching pre-market prep or live trading this morning, you heard me um, not be positive about monday.com, dot com M N D Y. I just want to say not that this was a hard call because everything's down today but like down eleven percent straight off the open I'm not gonna say I told you so but I I, I did give you a warning and then and then Dennis was like nah I I don't like it I don't like I it.
1: think it's a bearish sign for me that I don't even I've never even heard of this website before
2: I've never been to monday.com what? in my life you 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 they advertise you're like the number like three podcast advertiser they advertise like every single podcast monday. com it's the work it's the workflow for the 21st century I don't know no, it's like Asana. It's the same thing as Asana. Okay. Does that make you understand? Let's check in on Asana's chart. Oh gosh. Are we below one hundred? Oh my God. 65, right? Yeah. Holy
1: It g- hasn't moved a
2: tad. 65 dollars. Can we can we get this go to a daily here? Look at this Asana. Oh my gosh. And now we're below the two hundred day. Get out. I mean, it's too late to say that. I'm, frankly, I mean if you're in it, I'm sorry. Um, JDs, I'm gonna blame you if my Moderna doesn't keep going up because you sold. Gosh. And 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 DocuSign is worse. DocuSign is worse. Down forty one percent. Aaron, forty one percent. I'm gonna say it again. Forty one.
1: I oh mean my this stock has been crazy. I'm not buying it here though, Spencer. I'll tell you that much.
2: I said this, I think it was last week. I said this, maybe it was a couple days ago. I don't, I don't know. Time is a circle, but no mercy. Wait, oh, no mercy. Fed, someone said FedEx up nice into earnings. FedEx doesn't report today, do we? No. I, I, nobody reports on a Friday afternoon.
1: No, but the, I don't even. When does FedEx report? No, Let they they're, they
2: were out weeks ago. Wait, my. I think I, I could be wrong. Hey, no, wait, let's real fast. We'll check this and then we'll bring Tony on. My Robin Hood is saying December sixteenth. FDX. Let's uh, get rid of this time thing. It's good. Two weeks. Yep. Oh, they report. I'm December sorry. 16th. Yeah. Okay. They're all they're all cycle. I always forget that. Bottom line. Holy cow! Donkey on forty one percent. No mercy, for growth. Let's bring on Tony Benson, and hopefully he can help us make sense of yep. this. I'm cause... watching Moderna and Shopify, that's it. All right, Tony, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Are are you just as bewildered, not bewildered is the right word, uh, are you just as just amazed as I am at this docusign here?
9: Uh yeah. I actually meant to bring it up and look at it real quick. I haven't seen that, but
2: I mean <laughs> at
9: the same time. I, I mean
2: I, I almost I don't know what to say. <laughs> what is it? What is it to say about it? It's like you it's ruthless. That?
9: Yeah, which is not abnormal right now. Everything, a lot of the no. stuffs getting crushed. You see Microsoft?
2: No, I, it's the chat. I think has mentioned it. Let's look at Microsoft here. DocuSign. Uh, well, come on, Microsoft.
9: Uh, yeah, the hard part with DocuSign. Oh, I gotta share my screen.
2: huh? Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft down three percent. Yeah, yeah, it's flirting with a fifty-day. Anyway, all right. Yeah, share share your screen with us here. Tell us, I, I'm sure you have some ideas, though, on the long, or maybe not the long, or maybe the short time, maybe both. I don't know. I'm sure you got something, though, for us, Tony. So share your screen and uh, show us what you got here. What, what is this here? What, what chart is this?
9: I always have some. That is DocuSign. I'm actually, that's DocuSign. I just got a little late start on uh, updating the chart for a mix, so we'll get some interesting okay. data. It's not live. It's not streaming, but it uh, it will update the chart for us here. So let me move that out of the way. Let that finish. Um. Yeah, that's DocuSign. Not real pretty today but it, not much you can do with the gap so but real quick if you want if, if you don't mind i'll just because i know last time we talked uh, aaron asked the question of how do i find my candidates right would, how do you discover some? what's my process what's my system so i'll just briefly explain so everybody understands i'm a patterns guy i love patterns um, they're consistent they're repetitive that's what i'm looking for so i've got a little filter in here and this is just a charting program i use um i just a filter i won't go into it but It's basically just a filter that shows me optionable stocks because obviously I'm trading options. Um, And it knocks it down to, you can see down the bottom left here, 358. So I've got 358 candidates here. And I basically just literally flip through it and look for a pattern. Considering that, uh, and obviously it's going to take some training. It's not one of those things. When you recognize a pattern, you've got to be able to train your eyes to see them on the right side. I started in 2000, back before the internet, we had all this technology that we have today. And one thing I got frustrated with is I recognized patterns, but I always saw them in the middle of the chart. And if it's in the middle of the chart back here, it doesn't do anything. And I started looking at opportunities that I could have made money, but I didn't because I wasn't there. So I trained myself to recognize the patterns on the right side. So basically, I'll just flip through this list. I don't know if you can see the far left there, those little check boxes. but I can just flip through looking through. And if I see a pattern on the right side of the chart, I'll just flag it. So I just hit the space bar, it puts a little check mark in there. And I literally just flip through. There's a beautiful one. There you go, Spencer. That's exactly why I love a head and shoulders right there. That's a technical
2: <laughs> point. Side note. Okay.
9: Um, Coupang, That's uh, actually did a nice little day trade on that a few minutes ago. Uh, so I'll just flag. I'll go to go through this list and flag them all. And I know a lot of people are like 350. It's a lot, but when you go through it as quickly as you know one or two seconds per chart, it's only five to ten minutes. So basically, I do that, and then I can hit the save. I hit the save button. It puts it into a watch list, and essentially, I just filter it down. So I do a top-down approach where I'm taking. A whole list of ones that meet my criteria, filter it down, and then I basically find the cream to the crop, the ones I like the most, and bring it into a final watch list here. And then I go through these more in depth, analyze them, and uh, find the ones I like the most, and then create a trading plan from there. And it's relatively simple, really not that complicated. So, all
2: right. So, and that, that leads us to the left side of your screen, which is what that, that, that's the result.
9: Correct. So this is my final. Right. I always put the, the December first. This is the pattern of the week because, and I only do this once a week. It's not something I do every day.
2: It oh, me... I didn't realize that. I didn't yeah, realize yeah,
9: yeah. that. Yeah, I, I know that was something that I wanted to make sure is clear. I spend this takes me about one to two hours typically, and I do it once a week. And then this is basically all I'm trading during the week, unless something pops up. I and mean, I'm looking at stuff. I'm watching you guys all the time, looking at a DocuSign, docu sign, obviously. Um, so if something pops up, it's not like I'm going to ignore it, but. I don't spend any more time doing research. I create the plans, set them up, and then I just watch them and manage them the whole week. So it is basically Wednesday to Wednesday. So I do a I, I do a pattern of the week for my subscribers once a week. I do a Wednesday. It gets posted on Thursday. And then uh, – but that's that's basically how I find my candidates. All
2: right. So can we – let's go through – I mean, we, we already just went through a couple of them. You mentioned Coupang. Um, gosh, though, I, no offense to Kupang, but like – you know that's a small that's a small one right and if that I, I guess it doesn't matter uh you know a chart a pattern is a pattern a chart's a chart right but like <laughs> set up set up in coupon uh doesn't i don't know it's like it's not going to move the market it's going to move the needle for the market here so um it yeah. doesn't bode well i i i look at like the recognizability of uh of names couping is not very recognizable but regardless a setup is a setup doesn't matter who Um, anyway, what else we got here?
9: Yeah, it's, it's not, you can see it's not very old. So, and this is one I looked at and I thought, well, if it breaks that the support level 26, what the pattern I saw here was a, a hammer pattern though, which is that candlestick yesterday. So the last candle there is, is today's whoops. So when there's a hammer pattern at a support like this, even though it's not a very old company, it's not a spectacular support, but it is pretty solid. Then I was looking for a move to the upside today. I thought, you know what, if it jumps and runs, then I'll either jump on a day trade or possibly do an intermediate term trade and uh, a short, I mean, a short term like a swing trade, two or three days to the upside. And where did it go? And I just did this a little bit ago, actually. Move this to a five minute real quick. So I took this as a day trade just a little bit ago. And there's my, you can see the trading plan. So the red was a stop. It came down here this morning, right? Where's the opens over here? Bouncing around, it's holding this line at 26. I figured if it took off, so I picked up some at 26.11 and sold out of, of a decent chunk of it here and then closed the rest of it out. I can't remember exactly where, but... So that's all I was looking for with Coupang. That was the entire purpose of this here. It was a hammer pattern, giving me a one day, quick interday pop or a one day, two day, three day move to the upside.
2: All right. Again, so, but boy set up in Kupang. Yeah. Uh, doesn't doesn't make me bullish from the market, but it's set up as a setup. What else? What is this?
9: Exactly. That's why hey. it was a coupang was gonna be short term.
2: Yeah. This is, this is Alcoa? Alcoa. Okay. Go ahead. No, no, I was asking what stock it was.
9: Uh, yeah, this is Alcoa. This is one of my favorites. It has been for a long time. Uh, it's not it's a can be a very volatile stock, and the options are actually relatively inexpensive for how volatile the stock is but this is a beautiful head and shoulders. It'd be a complex head and shoulders if you want to get super OCD. But uh, I don't know, how deep do you want me to get into the explaining the head and shoulders?
2: Deeper, keep going.
1: All right. I want to know like when the first time you can identify and say, okay, this this is for sure a head and shoulders pattern forming because I, I was looking at Apple's chart earlier and it looked like we, we could be on, like, the first half of a head and shoulders, but not quite there yet. You see what I'm saying? If we get back down to that level, if we come back up again and, and get that right shoulder. Um, but I guess we won't know if that happens until we get back down to that, what would that be, 156 level and see if we bounce again?
9: Yeah, so if it comes down to that, that's actually a really good eye. Um, honestly, most thank people you. don't see it. In... <laughs> What's that? I said thank you. <laughs> Uh, no i mean honestly i mean i've been coaching people for a dozen years now and most people wouldn't see that so honestly it's it's uh man. yeah if it comes down to the 156 158 then bounces back up to 160 62 and rolls over if it does this and this is why microsoft was on the radar and even though this is a little bit short for me it's a little tighter than i like because especially when you look candles with it, the left shoulder is only a few days long it's a week long Typically, I want to see a head and shoulders that's got a, a longer period, but it doesn't necessarily matter. There's no there's no rule or any right or wrong answer as far as how long it takes to form the shoulders. But typically, they take a little longer time frame.
2: Got it. So, wait, um, that was Alcoa. Yep. And then wait, but my someone did Someone in the chat did ask about Microsoft. It was right before you came on. I forget yeah. who it was, but someone said, "I don't know what to do with my Microsoft."
9: Well, um, I can't obviously tell people what to do, but see what it's doing <laughs> intraday. where did my intraday chart. I mean, it, it, it depends on what your purpose is. What do you What do you have Microsoft for? Is it a long term hold? Um, I, so I'm I'm assuming if he's
2: asking if he's you? asking the question, I'm assuming not.
9: Not a long term. It's just a trade. I
2: I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know, Tony. Yeah,
9: that's what's <laughs> tough about it. it's, it's yeah. a, having a vague question of you know what's the purpose. If you're long the stock and it, well, the chart's telling us that it's going to go lower, and the target probably about three hundred five, three fifteen, somewhere in there. I mean, the next the next major support's three hundred five. So if you're short term trading Microsoft and you want to hold it down to three hundred five and see if it holds that level. If it doesn't hold that level, then the next level is, the next major level at least is <clears throat> 280. So um, what do you want to do with it? The, the signal is there, the head and shoulders is a bearish reversal pattern, obviously. So the odds are it's gonna drop off to, down to the next major level, which is
2: 305. Just to answer the question from, from um, Mike being in the chat, I'm putting the link to Tony's site in chat, there it is, wealthbuildershq.com slash patterns in a flash. Uh Check it out there. Um Okay, let's keep running through the list here. G- give us some, oh, whoa.
9: You want to see that?
2: That was fun. So I,
1: I, I've heard, Tony, that the best way, wait, it was, it, this graphic's not done playing yet, is it? No. What's
2: that? No. I think it froze. The graphic.
9: Yeah, something weird t- happened there.
1: I was going to say, so I've heard before from other technical traders that I've tried to learn something from that the best way to trade a head and shoulders is to short at the peak of the second shoulder on the right shoulder. Is that how you like to trade head and shoulders as well or, or no? Did I get some um, bad advice?
9: Well, it's the funny thing. I mean, you could <laughs> you could trade any way you want to. You could, It's a little aggressive for me. Um, I'll just let this finish out real quick and then I'll go a little more in detail. Into oh, it. here we go. Um, and I think having this visually on the screen will make it easier to see.
7: So
2: um, that I'm trying a to get it up there,
7: Tony. Huh?
5: No, nothing.
2: So
1: right where that number seven is, that's where I've heard, like, okay, this, this is how you want to trade head and shoulders. Wait for that second shoulder right there on number seven, then put a short position out there. And, and their, uh, I guess, thesis or reasoning for it is because oftentimes when it comes back down, it will drop below previous levels on that second shoulder.
9: Well, it, yeah, I mean, the the whole concept of the head and shoulders is we've got a rally obviously you got 0.3 we made it higher high 0.5 we made a higher high at 0.7 when it when it rolls over then the bulls couldn't get it past the previous high so they failed to get it back above the previous and make another new high so that's at 0.7 you got an indication of weakness there's no confirmation of the pattern yet all it's done is formed so you can trade it here you could, I mean, I would possibly take a little position as it rolls over, but it's a very, very aggressive place to get into it. So Got technically, it. it's not—it's not confirmed a pattern until it breaks that the neckline. So you draw the trough, point four to point six is the two lows there. That's that's your neckline. Once it breaks the neckline, now we have confirmation. So at point seven, if it rolls over, the pattern is technically only formed.
2: Ooh, you hear so that, AB? It's not, it's not formed yet at the second shoulder.
9: Correct. Ooh. Now if okay. it rolls over, then yes. But here's the, the mistake that I've made many times. I've had it roll over and right in here before it, before it breaks the neckline. I'm like, you know what? This thing's probably going to go. I jump on board and lo and behold, what happens? The neckline acts as support, which is what it is. So that neckline is technically a support level. So until it breaks that, and I've got my head handed to me many times by getting in too early. Before it broke the neckline. But at the same time, and this is, I'm a little bit, I'm an aggressive trader, but I'm also very conservative. So I like the idea of getting in at 0.7 if it rolls over and picking up just a really small position, like maybe one or two contracts, either puts or short, depending on what you're, you know, I don't know how much people are trading, but um, whatever your position side would normally be, let's say if you're buying 10 contracts of an option, I'd maybe pick up one or two here because and then put a stop slightly above there. So then, if it stops you out, it doesn't cost you a lot. If it does take off to the downside, then you're in good position. You've already got profitability, and now you can add to the position as it falls.
2: God, th- this is a great visual, guys. Everyone, I recommend if you're into patterns, specifically the head and shoulders, save this visual. This this, this is a really good breakdown here. Um, okay, can we go back to the to, to the 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 charts here on the watch list, and then. Yeah. But let's, and then I know there are some, there are a few questions in the chat that people have the tickers they want you to look at, but we'll get there. Um, what else do we have here?
9: Uh, so, yeah, Microsoft was, that's beautiful. I liked actually the last segment on shorting was awesome. I was watching that and it's, it's awesome. I got into puts yesterday thanks. on this and, uh, oh, we yeah. got out of some of it a little too early today, but J&J is another one. We'll stick with the theme of head and shoulders. And this is a long term play because it's not this doesn't look super pretty but when you go to a weekly chart that is a beautiful head and shoulders so left shoulder the big head the right shoulder and we are right on the edge we're right at the neckline as of right now so and then i didn't get you with the graphic which is fine Um, and actually that's that graphics from one of the lessons that i have inside patterns of flash so there's Inside that tool, there's over 30 patterns that I go into lessons to go in depth into every little nook and cranny of the pattern to self-explain. You know, the concept, everything you're looking for, when to trade and when to get in, when to get out. Um, but the measured move, which you can see here on J&J, is 1756. So you measure from the top of the head down to the neckline. Whatever that distance is, is approximately what we expect it to move if it breaks the neckline. And, and that actually
2: right. coincidentally that answers a question that was in the chat just now which was about time frames and it the, the answer is any time frame. You can apply on any time frame.
9: Exactly. This is and this is one of the reasons and I don't know I, I think it was just dumb luck um but I fell in love with patterns right away and the beauty of patterns and technical analysis in general is it doesn't matter what time frame you're looking at it I don't care what instrument you're trading if you're trading currencies futures commodities Bitcoin forex anything the concepts are all there and so once you understand and learn technical analysis and how to recognize the patterns you can literally trade on any time frame and any instrument you want it doesn't matter so I, I noticed that too in the, in the, the chat but uh, so the other interesting part about jj so this is a weekly chart you can see the head and shoulders so the possibility if this thing stays below that neckline i think you're about 158 and this is where very simple trading plan essentially i look and say okay where's the stop the stop for me would be above the neckline right there so if i was going to get into this which i'm not yet i'm waiting for it actually to hit this 156 area but i'm definitely watching this thing and i'll probably look at mine an option for at least six months if not a year uh Going out and looking at probably the target of 140. But for sorry, which it, stock is this? This is still J&J. Okay. So I put, a, I put a stop just above the neckline and then the target's down here at 143. And the other interesting part about it, if we go back to here, is you've got the 50 day across the move to the, the 200 day, which is a huge institutional sell signal. So um, mm-hmm. if JJ stays below that level, I'd definitely be getting bearish on it. But that's me. Oh, yeah anyone's in the chat that
1: well not... i i like i like that short position on j and j because you have kind of an inherent advantage there where a stock like j and j usually isn't that volatile but if you're getting some movement on the downside um then it's implied volatility will go higher giving you you know a higher value on that contract
9: that's exactly why i love trading the downside <laughs> i'm a little bit biased and that's because if you're buying puts and obviously the implied volatility spikes then you get that delta flip and the, the the premium goes up as it drops
1: right yeah that that's something that yeah if, if you trade options on both sides then you kind of know that like you 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 can buy calls on a on a stock and if the stock's moving up but the whole market's up and vix is moving down then while your stock is moving up vix moving down hurts you where on the flip side vix moving up while your stock is going down helps you and you have puts if that makes sense. exactly
9: most of the time yeah.
1: most of the time no good no 100 percent, you know whatever yeah. but
9: it, it's it's it's
1: like a, a rule of thumb no rule of thumb is 100 percent.
9: yeah just a, if you have a huge spread like on car i had a student student of mine that was we were in our, our twice a month i do a one-hour class for subscribers to my tool and he said i got in the car he bought puts when it ran up to 520 and uh he got yeah, i remember destroyed. that On that day, he bought them. The stock was up at like four twenty-eight. He said it dropped off to two fifty, and he still lost money. Yeah, it was crazy.
2: Yeah, they don't tell you about that, huh? They they don't tell you about that. That can happen.
9: Exactly. That's why I always warn people. It's like be be careful because options can be tricky.
2: All right, uh, if you if you have a couple more, show them. If not, we'll get to some tickers in the chat, Tony. We'll, also, uh,
1: Tony, I got a question. Are there any stocks out there that you have found that, for you at least, that you're just like just does not trade like the way that I'm seeing it? Doesn't follow patterns, um, etc.
9: Well, that's a good question. I don't. I, I can't think of anything. I mean, almost almost everything follows a pattern to a certain degree, except the a lot of the overseas stocks that gap every night because they trade. In Europe or the European companies, so they trade on our markets. If they're super gappy, I don't like those. Um, if I see lots of gaps in it, I just I just ignore them because those are hard to you know. There's patterns there, but they're hard to, to you, trade. You
2: mean gap. you mean like Moderna?
1: <laughs> Moderna's not international. Come on, now.
2: no, but it's gappy as hell. It is gappy. It's got as hell. gaps. So on. is
1: Shopify. I, I like them. They're fun. Yeah,
9: yeah. Lately, it's been gappy. Back in here, I mean, that left side of the chart, it's nice and steady and normal, but. Yeah, when it gaps like this, it's craziness. Yeah. So, I'm That's looking at Gap's chart right, head right head now. Shoulders. What's that?
1: I was looking at Gap, the the retail GPS. GPS. Yep. Why is it? Oh. Why is it ticker GPS?
2: Gap story? I don't know. Gap. Yeah. Gap story. I have no idea. Why you don't would you, think, walk, you would think, Why don't you ask them?
1: You would think the stock with the ticker GPS would I don't know have something to do with navigation and <laughs> mapping. Nope. <laughs>
3: <laughs> nope. anyway
9: i know so are there any there's no patterns right now except a, just a cliff dive it's not really a pattern but
1: no although it does look like we're getting to that point yeah right there where we're going to be able to see if we're going to bounce off that oh we've got, we've got a few hits on that level so that could be a good a good buy zone but then if we break through it then we know we've got some more room to fall
9: yeah, and that's uh, that's one reason I always, I mean, I learned the hard way over the years that I always go back and look at the entire history because you never know where those spots are because I got hit on a lot of trades and I was like, and then all of a sudden I went back and looked after I lost and I went, wait a minute, there was support, major support back here. I mean, here's from 2004, 2005, some resistance about 15 there. So, uh, yeah, the gap could, if it if it comes down to this 1450 15 area and gives me some kind of pattern, I'd be looking for some kind of candlestick pattern, a hammer, hangman, maybe a double bottom. Um, if Gap's something you want to own, then if it comes down and builds a nice little base there and dances along it, then I put a hook above it and you know, hopefully it goes higher.
1: So, yep. That's why we we hear a lot of technical traders saying always look left. Um, all right, everyone in the chat, if you've got a ticker, you want us to look at, throw the ticker out there and I'll say this, you'll be more likely to have your ticker selected. If you, if you give us the pattern that you think you see forming. So if you say, yeah, yeah. if you say like I did, like oh, I think I see a head and shoulders on Apple, then we'll check it out. We'll know what we'll, we'll know what we need to be looking for. Um, you don't need to put time frame or anything. I think we're mostly all looking at the dailies here.
2: Yeah, and also let us know if if, if you are looking, if you have a bullish bias or bearish bias or, or a neutral bias. The more information, yeah, okay, the more
1: likely you are to get. Well, all right, Arf said Neo
2: bullish, but I I don't know what pattern he thinks we're looking at. I don't know, Arf, 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 Arf. It's a good name, Arf, 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 Arf. Wait, wait, so what is that? So that's Neo. All right. Well, I don't know. What do you see here, Tony?
9: Um, another just cliff dive. And there's some. <laughs> I, there's a lot that's of those a right technical now. Term. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should come up with that and create it. Uh, I mean, there's some support there at 31, a little bit, but it's not super solid. There's only that one spot and a little bit of congestion back here in in October of 20. So, um. And as far as long-term trends go, I mean, there's really nothing to put on there. So uh, definitely not excited about the bullish side of this thing. mean, like with the overall market doing what it's doing and until the market stabilizes a little bit and, and bounces, I wouldn't be, bull- at least not long-term, I guess it's short-term. It might bounce to 31. And if it does, then yeah, I'd maybe take a one or two day trade on it, but I wouldn't be, uh, I'm, not, I'm not super excited about these things are falling unless even being bearish, it's, it's falling too far, too fast. It's, it's probably going to bounce first. I would expect it to bounce for about
1: thirty-one. Okay, this is this is going to be a challenge for you, Tony. So we've we've got bearish on Hood. This will be tough because we don't really have anything left to to base it off of.
2: <laughs> we're at twenty-one dollars. This is re- this is at, at some point you got to bounce. I, I, not even that though. Like at some point, the valuation does start to make sense. I'm All not right. saying I'm not saying we're there, but like, and I know that's not Tony's bag, but. Um,
1: I actually think this makes it more fun when you have no previous support levels. You literally just gotta guess when will there be the support?
9: <laughs> zero. Next support level oh, zero. Tony, there, there you go. Yeah. Come
2: on, come on now.
9: Hey, I mean, uh, just being realistic. Um, but, uh, this is this is where fundamentals would come into play. I wouldn't trade this because yeah, it's but yeah, I mean, you could look it up fundamentally and see where it's at. But are they even profitable?
4: I don't uh, know.
2: Maybe. maybe. They just—they take a lot of my money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I can attack attest to that as well. Uh, all right, let's move off of this one here. Uh, oh,
1: okay, Easy Mike's got a good one. Nvidia. He's looking at the 15 minute, but I'll let you look at whatever you want to look at, Tony. And he's saying he he's seeing a double bottom at 301, so bullish. I'm assuming.
9: Double bottom or double top?
1: He's looking at the three, or he's looking at the 15 minute, so he might have a little bit of a different oh. view. Then what we we're looking oh, at we it right now. Internet, okay,
9: let me bring up an intraday real quick. Ah, Microsoft's killing me. NVDA. I don't know if I have.
1: Oh, but this. So he's saying double bottom. We've got someone else saying Nvidia double top. So I don't know what to that's think. That's what man. I thought. I
9: thought I saw it double top. But if we're talking, I, about I a
1: think that's, internet, that's probably what he meant. Yeah. Okay, George has a good point. We can put the fib levels to look for bounces, but ideally i like to see real support levels great point george i Whoa. second that
9: yeah actually um definitely whoever mentioned that good eye but i also uh, see inverted head and shoulders which i mean potato potato it's gonna the end result would be about the same anyway so um uh, there's an the inverted head and shoulders forming. me and there's also basically a double bottom you could call it a triple bottom again this is the beauty of patterns i mean you learn realistically even though there's 30 in my tool there's really only about seven or eight because you can flip them over and they're the same thing inverted head and shoulders head and shoulders same thing just turned upside down so this is where if it breaks above 306 that's that's what i'll be looking for for a break on an intraday basis this is a five minute chart not 15 so just so it's clear but yeah i like the looks of this from a pattern perspective
2: all right, Tony. Let's just do one more real quick. We got time for one more, okay? Let's do HPQ for a bull flag. We're going value tech here.
9: Uh, it's getting there. It's not. Uh, I mean, I don't see any flag yet. But if it, if it it's. If it settles in here, well, let me just draw a couple lines on like here just for. If it sits. What the heck just happened there? Oh, don't tell me it's going to die on me. There we go. I don't know why this thing's so slow. Ah, just died on me. Oh, well. All right. Sorry, Eric
2: Taylor. Eric Taylor, you have to. We'll just I'll shift have to gears and
9: use this puppy real quick. All right, cool. Always got to have a backup. Uh, basically, I mean, I guess I don't need to draw the lines, but um, at, not yet, not on a daily chart. If it dances around here for a few days, typically a flag will take um, a few days to maybe a few weeks, two to three weeks is typically. So if it just consolidates, kind of like kind of like back in here, or like here, you know, you got that the big run. Creates the flagpole and then a little consolidation, a little tight range that it sits in. So, um, yeah, that's another one that it's it's a good, good thing to keep an eye on if it does that. If it sits here and dances around for a few days and then breaks to the upside. Yeah. And flags are awesome continuation patterns because they very rarely reverse because there's so much, usually so much momentum behind them, which you can see the volume here is massive. So there's so much momentum behind them that they barely, rarely create reversals. So whoever brought this up, thank you because I'll keep an eye on it for the next week or two.
2: Wow. Nice job. Oh, nice job, Eric. There you go. All right, we got to wrap. Tony Benson joins us every Friday. The link to his site is in the description. Tony, a pleasure as always. Have a good weekend.
9: Thank you, Spencer. See you later. All
2: right, it's 2 o'clock, guys. We got to run. The Mooner bus is going live right now. I think they're in like Florida or something.
1: I don't know. Ryan and uh, Logan are, are crypto experts that run Moon or Bust. They're a lot cooler than I am. They're always out there doing something. So yeah. tune in for Moon or Bust if you want to learn more about what's happening in the crypto world. Everybody have a great Hit weekend. Hit the thumbs up. Smash Hit the, the up. like, as Spencer thumbs is saying. Up. Please smash that like. Subscribe if you have not already. And uh, we'll be back on Monday.
3: Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We wanna make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices,